I understand what it's like to be an outcast. But no matter what, you have to believe in yourself. Of course, my village stoned me for my beliefs. In 2008, Paramount Pictures finally brought Dragons of Autumn Twilight, the beloved fantasy classic, to the big screen. Shurak! No matter how powerful the wizard is, he's limited to the number of spells he can cast each day. If you have entered this wood with evil intentions, you will not live to see the moons rise. Oh, no, no, no. You got it all wrong. We're on a quest. Combining traditional cell animation with state-of-the-art 3D computer graphics and featuring the voice talents of Kiefer Sutherland and Lucy Lawless, this movie aimed to push the boundaries of cartoon entertainment. All you need to know is that none who enter Darkenwood ever return. Graceland, you have anything up your sleeve? More than you'll ever know. You think there might be goblins living in there? I wish. Join us as we review this timeless fantasy epic. Chaos. War. Death. That is what I see. Ah! Who are we kidding? This movie stinks worse than a flatulent gully dwarf. Let's get to it. Pre-recorded in a second floor guest room filled with tall ales and taller tales. Join a group of grown men intent on discussing the intricacies of fantasy and science fiction. Tim Gilbert Media presents... Don't just that we! Shot it right to the back of our heart. Hello, all you fans of 2D and 3D animation mashups. This is the Dungeons and Weeds podcast, coming to you with a special bonus episode: Dragons of Autumn Twilight. I'm your host, Bob. I can podcast all day with this bloody stump of an arm, Tantalus Burthump. Coming to you from the palatial Dungeons and Weaves studios, we are back with a special bonus episode to help fill the void left in your tympanic membranes by our absence. But I'm not alone. Across the table from me, the man who can put Gene Simmons to shame with his poorly CG draconian tongue, Luke. Bob, man, this is unreal. We have, I, I'm loving the amount of love we're getting. I mean, we're, I don't, we're just, I don't even know what we're doing. I, oh this man, is crazy. it's like I went to sleep one night um, and all of a sudden you're text messaging me saying, you got to look at how many downloads we have. Wow. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons, Dragonlance fans showing us a lot of love out there. I couldn't be more thrilled. It is awesome. I am. And, that, and that's why we're here right now, just to give you guys a little bit more love for the Dragonlance series. Let's, are you ready to kick this off, man? Yeah. Let's do it. Club. Hey, it's Club, your agent warrior again, and I swear to God, watching this movie aged me another 10 years. Uh, the, I'm excited to be here. Thank you guys out there so much for embracing us and for getting four dorky guys sitting in a room who want to talk about this stuff and analyze this stuff, for giving us the love, for being with us on this journey. The big man on the other side of the table for me is Paul, the man with the plan. How are you, sir? Well, I really worked on a plan as to how to get out of watching this movie, but it didn't work. So, it didn't work out. Let's just get out talking this about this movie. Hey, well, let's kick it off. Dungeons and Dweebs, we're a book review podcast. What are we doing with a movie... Dragons of Autumn Twilight. Well, I think that's the aspect in the society we live in now, too. 
is there are so much so many different mediums that all of this stuff can go on. Uh, reading the book, one of my favorite things to do with a lot of things is reading the book, watching the movie, and some sometimes you get the okay movie, sometimes you get the movie like this one that has you screaming and throwing things at your TV before you realize that the TV is expensive. Hey, you're not supposed to tease any thoughts about this movie before. <laughs> well, I don't know how well that. I well, can't let, help it. Let's go around the table. Uh, what is what is everybody's kind of relationship to this movie? Did before reading this book, did any of you guys know that this movie even existed? I mean, I'll start it off. I had no clue this movie existed even while I was reading the book until you guys told me about it, and then I was told about it and watched it and. Why did you tell me about it? Why? <laughs> well, and I had no idea that this movie even existed either, um, kind of in the budget scheme that the movie was in. Uh, but I, I was really excited to look at this and go, okay, actually it's an animated movie, so there's a lot of things that you can do with animation that you, even in, with our technology in 2017, you can't, doesn't necessarily transfer to film. And so I was really excited to look at this, and I was looking at, okay, I'm like, 2008, where was I when this came out? Because this would have definitely been something that should have showed up on my Amazon preview as something that you should watch. Luke, how did you feel? How did you figure this out? I, well, we were reading the book. Hey, let's, Bob approached me, hey, maybe we should do a podcast. Let's, let's read Dragons of Autumn Twilight, the Dragonlands trilogy first. And he's like, there's a movie. Don't watch it. <laughs> that was the first time I'd heard of this movie. <laughs> the first time, I, well, I'd, I had heard of this movie before reading the book, but I had never read the book. I was, of course, from the podcast, you know, aware of Dragonlance, had never read them. Uh, but I was back in college. Uh, this was, you know, actually post-college, 2008. And I walked into... Um, you guys know Disco Round uh, is, is kind of this little shop that you know sells used DVDs and things like that. And I was you know fantasy fan picking off every single you know fantasy movie that I could. And Dragonlance was sitting there, and I grabbed it. I thought it looked good. Took it home, and promptly watched maybe ten minutes of it, and kind of fell asleep. So I had remembered it being pretty horrible leading into. Uh, when we were reading this book, I had watched some snippets on YouTube to refresh my memory, like, what was this movie like? But my memories of this movie uh, were not fond, but at the same time, I had never really watched it. And sometimes, when, once you've read a book, you can go back and, and, and put up with quite a bit because it's just kind of interesting and exciting to see uh, what a movie has done with the property. And once you read the book... A lot of times you fill in the gaps where if you've if you're watching the movies like this one or the other movie that they make the jumps because they have to condense that novel into an hour and a half a two-hour movie and okay. so there's always stuff taken out so if you've read the book beforehand a lot of times you forgive that stuff because you've automatically made those jumps in your head right a lot of time you you forgive that not so much with so this movie comes out in 2008 it's uh, at this time Wizards of the Coast owns this property, Dragonlance, um, and and so they decided to put out this movie. I'm looking at the cover and I'm going, I know some of these names on here. This can't be that bad. It's animated, but Kiefer Sutherland? And even bringing it back just a little bit, to, this came out in 2008. Paul and I just watched this downstairs, and during the intro to the movie, I look at him like, when did this movie come out? And we Googled it, and... I didn't believe it. I mean, it's... 
I remember just graduating high school playing video games with better animation. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. sorry. We'll, like, we'll we'll get Halo, to the etc. We'll get to this animation you, quality you, as we as we go through this. You graduated high school in 2008. Yes, <laughs> yes, we did. Yes, yes, oh we did. my god! I'm sorry, man. Uh, but I I am still stuck on Kiefer Sutherland. I mean, I, I'm going Kiefer Sutherland. What was he doing in 2008? I mean, I love Kiefer Sutherland. I mean, we're talking about. Uh, I am in I'm in love with movies. Uh, uh, like a few good men, Young Guns, Young Guns Two. What was he doing in two thousand and eight? Well, I actually read an article about this, dealing with the fact that the producers of this movie just kind of threw it out there to, to Kiefer's camp, not really thinking it would actually happen. They kind of did it as a lark. They wanted him for the movie, and he actually went and he actually agreed to it. And then they went, "Oh crap, we have to come up with some more money because Kiefer Sullivan just agreed to do the movie." <laughs> well, I want. That's probably money they could have used other places, <laughs> right? I mean, Kiefer Sutherland is the voice of Raceland. Uh, not what I was expecting. Uh, the book constantly talks about Raceland as having this whispery voice. Uh, I'm not going to say Kiefer is bad in this, but I, it's, just, it's not what I'm expecting. for when he's casting spells. <laughs> I think it's a little robo on me. I don't know. <laughs> well, and that's what I found so hilarious, too, because there was another part of this article that dealt with the fact that he... Kiefer Sutherland was evidently really excited to do this. And he went, and he supposed to the article, went back and did research about Are you Dungeons sure? and Dragons. <laughs> I know. The only thing that's coming to my mind is Chirac. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm okay. picturing Kiefer in his trailer with some D&D manual flipped open, and he's got his spectacles down on his nose, and he's just... So, uh, so, uh, Chirac! Is that, is that how I should say it? Chirac! And, 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 of course, he's wearing the Doc Spurlock spectacles from Young Guns 2. <laughs> right, right. I, I will say, I think, I feel like that is all up to the voice directors. The voice director. Not right. the voice actor. I feel bad right. for bashing him for his spells and things yeah, like I'm that. Yeah, I'm not going to take Keith on a task. It's, it's one of those where, the, it's the director. I'm I, sorry, director, but you got to... Know yeah, who you're so. casting and know who you're putting in what part. Yes, uh, thank you. Except for the spells. If I could close, I did. I did this a couple times watching the movie. Closing my eyes, I really did like some of the nuances that he brought to Raceland. Right. And had that little. He really came across. He really came across a lot of times in that snide. I'm better than you are. I'm more powerful than you are. You people are all peons aspect that Raceland had in the book for me. So I loved his voice as long as he wasn't casting spells. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> right, well, we got a second voice actor here. Uh, Lucy Lawless. Xena. Xena, warrior princess. All right. Again, I'm going, all right, so 2008, uh, what was she doing? Well, it kind of looks like before that, I mean, she'd been doing movies like Locusts, Bogeyman, Vampire Bats, any of mm. these ringing any bells? No. Well, <laughs> well, and this a was pre- bit. This was pre-Spartacus, to too. Thing. Right, right. Or the, like that, the uh, yeah, my, my, I'm getting some of my horror things mixed up. Right. Thing was a clown. Thing <laughs> was a clown. Yeah. Well, and, and we keep going on. So we have Xena. We have uh, Phil Lamar from Mad TV. Yeah. <laughs> who okay. plays? Okay, who that. plays the stoic Riverwind? Right. And um, so I, uh, this was this, he was the, he's a very skinny guy with that deep voice on Mad TV. I had to look him up because I kept recognizing mm -hmm. the voice going in there. Um, we have from '90s TV Jason Marsden, 
who, if you watched <laughs> Boy Meets World or any or like any or Full House or any of those shows, and he always shows up as that kind of sneaky guy. And he was he was Tasselhoff. And he was Tasselhoff. Tasselhoff. Yeah. And that was the one like I had to I had to Google it when we were watching it, because I'm like I know that boy. I mean I was. Huge that uh, was a TGIF when Boy Meets World was on. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, TGIF, but that, yeah. that wasn't, man, the voice was just ringing in my head. He was Max from the Goofy movie. <laughs> and that, that's what it was. That's, I'm like, and, I, and for the rest of the movie, that was, I mean, even if I didn't Google it, it was still going to be ruined. I'm like, I know that voice. I know it from somewhere. Oh, it's Max. Well, and this is something that you two young guys will get. I probably shouldn't understand the age that I am. The guy who plays Tannis in here is Michael Rosenbaum. Michael Rosenbaum was Lex Luthor on Smallville. Oh, I didn't watch it, but yeah, now that you say that, yeah, yeah, okay. okay. And so we have some talent here. There's a lot of talent here. So I'm again, I'm looking at the back of this with 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 you know names, and this is what now uh, I feel cartoons do, right? They didn't used to do this, uh, you know, back in the day, whatever time period that is. But you know, they used to just use. Well, you voice have. actors, but now the whole thing is to try to draw people in by getting big names people know. I, I think sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't, uh, and I think studios sometimes waste a lot of money trying to get a name. I'll tell you, I never go to a cartoon going, oh, so-and-so is voicing this. Boy, do I have to need, I need to see that cartoon because so-and-so is the voice of this guy. You that has never drawn me to a movie. You didn't see Lion King for Jonathan Taylor Thomas? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure my wife had a poster on her wall of Jonathan Taylor Thomas at that time, but no, I did not go. Um, but, okay, then we got to talk about the directors and producers here. I mean, this is directed by a guy named, I don't Will Menua? Uh, something like that? So I'm like, okay. Somebody who never worked again. Yeah. <laughs> this was the end of it. Well, I mean, he has done a lot of, you know, fantastic. Straight-to-DVD straight features. <laughs> um, uh, you've probably heard of some of these things that he's done. Um, Diabolic, he was a storyboard artist. Uh, the DNA Agents was a co-creator. Exo Squad, Earthworm Jim. Earthworm Jim, yeah. Yeah, It also, it also uh, credits him to Jurassic Park as a storyboard artist. So his uh, range here is incredibly varied, but it's all kind of buried in this mire of where you don't know what, what really he did, what parts he did, and, and everything like that. Um, so, you know, I, I don't really know where his part falls in of what I can blame some of this stuff on, you know? But we're also got uh, producer Steven Stabler. Um, and there there was, I kind of searched around for him. There was not a lot on him. It seems like I was going for background stories on this movie. Like, I wanted the history on how this thing got made. This is like a bad night at a bar that everybody's trying to forget. There is there is nothing online. There is no fond remembrances. There is no behind-the-scenes stories as to what happened here, at least that I could find. So you guys listening, if you know what happened behind the scenes, let us know, because I'm, I'm dying to find this kind of stuff out. Well, I, one of the things I and one of the things I, that I always do when I look at movies is I always have to be that guy who goes to IMDb. Mm -hmm. and looks at stuff and looks at, okay, especially with the animated movies. Okay, I know that voice. Who's that actor? What have they been in? Um, looking like that. And uh, I'll bring it up right now because I love this quote. This is actually from IMDb, uh, from the review section here. And, oh, I got it. Uh, what brainchild thought this would be cool, nifty, and a grand, and a grand idea is completely beyond me. <laughs> 
someone had the bright idea to include poorly done CGI into this cesspool of Technicolor regurgitation. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of, that's well, kind of one thing I wanted to talk about, like the year this came out in. Right. Uh, Oh. Just some, something similar that's using a similar, you know, uh, 2D animation style with CGI elements on top of it. Futurama has been on the air for nine years already. Yeah. And it's done it so much better. Right. Uh, with a TV show budget. I mean, we're talking, I, I went right back to Reboot from 1994. Oh, reboot, man. And I was like, these Draconians look exactly like something in 1994's Reboot. So I'm like, who is the studio that is responsible for this animation. I, I was a little nicer on the Draconians. I went PS2 render. Uh, there we oh, go. Okay, yeah, I was, I was really... <laughs> not, not, not so polygony, a little smooth, but still, there's something wrong. So there's, yeah. this, there's this company called Toons out of India, okay, who did this. And let me tell you, Dragons of Autumn Twilight is kind of like what they did in America and kind of before and after. They have not seen much light of day, it doesn't seem, to, to what I can find in the United States. And I, I'm pretty sure uh, Dragons of Autumn Twilight was probably the... Uh, the death knell uh, for these guys. Um, but again, I, I get this idea. Some of the animators that were on this thing had left Disney. Some of them have Disney credit and worked on, on other uh, properties like Aladdin. And so I'm going, mm -hmm. well, the, you know, somewhere along the, the way, stuff has gotten lost. I mean, this was, uh, this had gone on for a long time. People working at Disney, people leaving Disney and starting their own animation studios with various uh, you know, degrees of success. Probably the most successful is a guy named Don Bluth, uh, who left Disney around the time of the rescuers and, and all that kind of stuff. The money's in the banana stand. <laughs> exactly. So he, uh, he, he starts his own company and, and does all those kind of like, uh, American tale and secret of Nim. If anybody's heard secret of Nim mm -hmm. and some of those yeah. things, not for children, <laughs> not for ch secret of Nim is not for children. If you haven't watched it, don't get it for your kids thinking it's a cute little animated movies about rats. <laughs> it's kind of cool, but weird uh, at the same time. Um, I, I actually kind of like Secret of Nim. Um, oh, I love it. It's maybe just we should read the children. book and do the movie sometime. Uh, it's kind of fantasy. I don't know. Um, post a pre-apocalyptic <laughs> for mice. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and I, I think too, had you gone one way or the other at this point, had we gone CGI or had we gone straight animation, that would have eliminated a lot of the problems that I had with the visuals in here. Right. I I wish it would have been just straight animation. Just yeah. straight yeah. cartoon animation. I would have been perfectly fine with that. I got so distracted by all the CGI stuff and oh. the bad CGI rendering that I lost I I lost some of the really good parts of right. the regular animation that was yeah. going on in this, the background. This is one of those movies where I look at it going, executives must sometimes have no brain in their head. Like, who looked at this and said, Well, we, the kids like Dungeons and Dragons, they're gonna love this movie. Yeah, yeah, like, who is going, we're gonna combine 2D with this 3D animation and it's somehow gonna be seamless or it's cool because all the dragons uh, are, are, and draconians, you know, are all popping out in 3D. <laughs> It looks horrible. I can't imagine people sitting around the the, the table watching the previs for this stuff going, yeah, go ahead, green light this. We're already spending a butt ton on Kiefer Sutherland and Lucy Lawless. Let's keep spending more money on this CGI. To my knowledge, it's cheaper to do cell animation uh, than it would be to do CGI. The only thing I could think of is towards the end of this movie when you have armies and armies of poorly rendered draconians, that that's why they did it, is they wanted massive armies, they could just duplicate them, duplicate them instead of having somebody draw all this. That was, uh, that was one of my notes here. Uh, step one, animate draconian. 
Step two, copy and paste. Because <laughs> they're all doing the same. This reminds me, my daughters watch those those Barbie movies, and this this looks like exactly what was coming out in the late 90s, early 1000s, Barbie, where it's just like they show a crowd of, of people in a town, and every man is just in a different colored shirt, fist pumping. <laughs> every girl is doing the little clap, and they're all just cut and paste. It's... It is brutally awful, but let's let's go through this book in or this movie, sorry, in kind yeah. of chronological order and just talk about things that we we think compare it to the books. We're a book review podcast, so let's kind of compare it to the book and our thoughts uh, on and that. Generally, this is where I throw it to you for a synopsis. But if you want a synopsis, why don't you go back to episode one? Yeah. And listen to our review of the book. I feel like you're going to get a lot more out of this. Yeah. And then come to this for a little bit more fun at the end. And if, yeah. you re- if you really feel the need to watch this movie, go back and listen to our synopsis of the book. Right. Because there are so many things, as we'll talk about here, that don't make that we feel don't make sense and are plot jumps in the movie if you're just watching the movie. Right. Also, be warned, in this movie, there are some serious... Spoilers. So, if you are reading along with us, if you are not done with book two, like Paul and I are, some things are about to be spoiled for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Something might have gotten spoiled we, for we, me. We can talk more. Or actually, or actually, book three. Oh, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. So we, let's just let's just make this. Here's the spoiler wall. If you are reading along with us to listen to our podcast, stop here. And then come back and after listen to you've this. read. Yeah, two. I guess after book three. After book maybe three. after book Holy three. Holy cow! Wow. Yeah. Okay, yep. so we start out with this opening, right? Man, brutal opening. Heads on pikes. People are being burned. This really sets a dark tone. Instantly, you know this is not something for little kids. Uh, again, they must be skewing towards kind of that you know preteen, teenage audience and up, right? I I loved it. I loved the instant darkness where right. it was. All right, there are people dead on the ground, people are getting massacred. It brought me in and made me kind of go, oh, okay, maybe this is all right. And, and then I saw three. cleavage. Hey! <laughs> the cleavage. You know what? I'm going to say it right here so that everybody listening knows at least where I'm coming from. Throughout this movie, this, the, the, the animation and the CG for me is just horrendous and below par. So I'm going to try to, unless it's something funny or something really crazy, I'm really going to try to not talk about the animation for me um, until it becomes glaringly a problem. Um, and, and I tried to actually lower my expectations. I'm like, okay, what? I'm, I'm right there with yeah. you. I was, I'm like, I, man, maybe 15, 20 minutes into this. This is so bad. Let's just see what's good. Yeah. I'm Let's gonna, just, there's the diamonds in the rough. Yeah. And I, I will say, though, that the animation portion, not the CGI portion, yeah, I was perfectly fine the right. entire way through with the actual animation. Absolutely. It reminded it yeah. reminded me very. We always go back. To, we went back when we were talking about the book uh, to how they wanted to do Tolkien mm-hmm. and how the authors were looking at Tolkien and the and that aspect. The animation portion of this, I actually really liked because it reminded me of the '70s Hobbit cartoon. Right? Yeah, Ralph Bakshi. Yeah, yeah. It definitely. And like I was that. all about that until the CGI started walking. Exactly. By. Exactly. I enjoyed this animation. It was the CGI that hated it. So I will once I will try to do as you guys and not mention the CGI it's <laughs> unless it be becomes hard. something funny or glaringly apparent. It will be hard but, for me. But I, I was right there with you, Paul. These heads on pikes, people are getting burned. Uh, you know, I mean, this dragon just flies in, burns people to piles of ashes. I like this. It does set stakes right away. That okay, this is a 
Kryn is under siege, uh, and there's some real, real stakes going on here. I really like it. Um, so, and I thought it was kind of cool. Uh, you have these dragons flying around, showing this land destroyed, and then you get on the wings of a bird, and it flies you to the peaceful inn of the land, last home, you know, which we've talked about at length in our other podcasts, and we start out with Tika scrubbing floors, when this old man walks in. Oh, Tika. <laughs> Okay, this is the first place I do have to talk about the animation, and my wife and I watched this together, and she couldn't get over the fact that they seem to spend no money on frame rates or animation as much as they can. Nothing moves in this movie, except, except for her breasts. They, they are constantly, arbitrarily moving in this thing. And it's almost like the frame ends, her body's done, but then the... Bosom gets its own frame movement. It's it's really <laughs> off-putting. It, it you know it what the trouble is is I'm fi I'm fine with Dragonlance being a fantasy. A lot of fantasy does this, and I've spoken to this before, um, where it's kind of this realm of kind of oversexualized people. Sometimes you know, the men are all strapping and, and and muscular, and the women are all you know very buxom and shapely and all that kind of stuff. It's a fantasy. That's what a lot of people go there for. And there's no, to me, there's nothing wrong with any of that. Um, but, Have yeah, it becomes very distracting when that's the only thing yeah. moving in the frame and it's it's not for any purpose. It's 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 really kind of awful. And see, I didn't, I didn't have as much problem with that uh, just, be, it, just because of the fact that it was very, it was just, okay, we're at the Renaissance Fair now. Right. Yeah. It, yes. <laughs> We're at the Renaissance Fair. Uh, okay, that's not really the outfits they wore in this time period, but it's kind of stitched together, so I'll just let it go. Right. One thing that I thought was really helpful here is when the old man walks in, he gives us this really big info dump on the gods and what's mm -hmm. going on with there, which I kind of felt was lacking for a while in, in the book, or you had to get it through kind of uh, Michael Williams... Uh, the poetry or, or, the, or the annotations yeah, yeah, and things like that. Um, and this guy just gives it to you, you know, like, hey, we've only got an hour and a half here, people. This is everything that's going on with the gods. I, I, I liked it. I thought it was good. It was actually a good refresher for me. And so I was okay with this, him sitting by the fireplace and, and, and giving it all to us. I did notice he was... Uh, he was very Gandalfian. He was. <laughs> yes, I know. I still... Yeah, he was. But he was, he, he was very Gandalfian. I will give you that. That's one person's representation. I still thought he was too short. When we come back, we look at the origin of the word Gandalfian. It is on this day on this podcast. Yes, I, I get a penny for every time Gandalfian is used. So I like this whole talk of the cataclysm. And there's some Easter eggs in here that I noticed. I mean, they, they in the animation that runs along as he's talking about, it's flashing to different little scenes and whatnot. And I, I noticed there's kind of stuff from future books that's shown. Now I don't know what I'm supposed to say because it'd be spoilery, but there's kind of the whirlpool and stuff well, like that. And again, we're in a movie format here. So therefore, we have that beginning narration of stuff we're going to learn from different passages in the book later on. We have that uploaded to us right away at the beginning, which you have to do in a movie. Right. Because again, there's not that time space to cram everything in as you have in a book. Right. And then in this opening, there's something that happens that I actually really like. Uh, this, this for me was awesome. I'm like, well, we flashed to Verminar. Just that like that. And he, he talks with Dekesis, Um And already these are, pro and they talk about the staff. I'm like, you're fixing issues I had with the book almost right away where you are, here's our bad guy, and they are setting up their goals and, and what they're moving towards. 
boy, that I was like, good move, guys. Really good. Now, here, I, I would say I've heard that Weiss and Hickman kind of were behind the scenes on this, doing some authoring and, you know, maybe, you know, in, in some sort of role. I really want to say, hopefully, that it was them going, hey, we are now 25, 30 years or whatever out from having written that first book. I've read some of the stuff they've done in 2008. They are not the same writers that I picked on back in 84. They're, I mean, they come a long way. They're really good. I'm sure they were trying to fix and tweak things in here. And I like having Verminard set up as the big baddie right away. Yeah. We got information about him. That being said, one of my issues with the movie version was Verminard was way too young for me. Mm. See, I didn't get a beat on his age until his helmet came off. It was off in the beginning. Yeah, it was off. Oh, was it? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I, I, I very much the descriptions that came from the book gave for me gave me a much different picture of Verminard himself, having been this general, having been this uh, this army guy, and so I expected him to be much older than right. the actual animation made him look. Right, and maybe because I'm just tr cross planting him with Vader. <laughs> but I was thinking he was going to be all scarred up and destroyed underneath that mask. I have the book behind the mask that was written about his backstory. Haven't read it yet. Yeah, not only that, but we get Onyx in her human form, the Black Dragon. And a screen full of cleavage. Yes. Hey, I'm going to throw it out there. Onyx is hot. <laughs> <laughs> well, if and already... in love with Verminard, it seems. I'm going to say that, that the animation kind of teases, I thought, I mean, as good as this jerky two frames a second animation can do, but it, it seemed to me they had some sort that, of relationship. That was lost on me. I was laughing too much at the <laughs> screen, full, screen full yeah. of cleavage. I, and, oh. and see, I took it the other way. I took it as her being the all-powerful being, so she takes this very sensual form, and therefore Verminard is in love with her her and she's using that as part of her like control over him because he has he, he's lusting after her a little bit too and right. she's using that as part of her control right and i see now that we get into places where we can't talk about but i do think she is always set up to use her kind of sexuality uh to use people and things like it's that. 70s and 80s science fiction yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel it still can cross the decades. I mean, you know, that has not been lost. Okay, know. so we're again we have a we have a nice picture of the home. We have a nice picture here of uh, Solace as we go through here. Yeah. It goes along with everything that we said in the previous podcast. I um, but we meet the entire party right away. Right, and what well, we do get to this little Tannis and Flint. They do this Tannis and Flint thing. Uh, where it's like Tannis and Flint walking together. So they, they have that little bit from the book. Right off the bat, though, I thought Tannis's voice immediately hit me as being really lackluster. I, I could praise a lot of the voice talent in this. Tannis, in these early scenes, sounded like the guy just kind of reading the lines. I, 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 did, I didn't get a lot from him. Um, and then you get this Fumaster Toady and the goblins. And this I, is my I, favorite I part say, that I do, Paul pointed this out. I do have one thing. I am pretty sure... 100%. It, you, you, you were I was right. correct, yeah. but I'm pretty sure it said, you're not allowed out at night. There's an issue with this animation. It's daylight. <laughs> if you it's, are going to say that, have it dark. Don't have the sun be up in the no sky. One's allowed, no one's allowed out after dark. Well, the sun's still up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, brightly yeah. lit. I, I did like the fact. That. I did like the fact of Fumaster Toad 
that Fumaster Toad, the voice actor doing Fumaster Toad, was very close to what I was doing on our own little on our own little <laughs> yeah, as Fumaster Toad. I, I like the des- I like the design of these goblins. I like I like Fumaster Toad. I, I believe that I'm pretty. Disposed to liking it because the artwork that's come out in the 80s and 90s, they pretty much just used. He looks exactly like what Fumaster Toad looks like on the cover of the I just wasn't picturing him being jaundice. Yeah. (laughs) That is what he looks like according to to like art from the time. Uh, And and so I. But having seen that and then seeing what they're doing, I'm like, well, they are in a lot of ways staying true to what has been done by like Larry Elmore, the original artist and stuff. They, I don't, I, I'm not going to knock the design elements of any of the characters or creatures. Really, I, I think they did a good job. I will say this: seeing this animation of the goblins, things like that, it brought me back to the Hobbit animated movie. Like exactly. that is what I exactly thought of, and I was like, right. okay, because I enjoyed that when I was a kid and I watched. I it. still enjoy the Hobbit animated movie. I haven't movie seen it for years. years. The only thing that so. kind of got me was uh, the only thing I couldn't stop looking at was the goblins. Did anybody look at their noses? There's like a weird mm, yeah no. There's a weird circle, just like a a circle for a nostril, and I, I can't remember if it was like two nostrils in. and then a big open circle. But there's this weird circle thing going on. That I couldn't stop looking yeah, at I just, I just their nose. Being a very um. Oh, what's his Harry Potter bad guy? Voldemort. 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 Yeah, yeah. Voldemort. very Voldemort, yeah. very Skeletor, yeah. very, we don't really have a nose, it's just a hole. And Luke, I was thinking of you while watching this because it was referred to that goblin blood stinks. Yeah, yes. they, they yeah. included that, which was yeah. a great I like aspect. That. Yep. One of the good things from the book uh, is in this. So again, I'm liking this, we finally get to this Inn of the Last Home. Thoughts on Raceland? We, we, we've talked about him before. How do you like the animated version of Raceland? I enjoyed him. I mean, he wasn't. I wish his voice was a little different. A yeah. Little, I mean, I, I. But I enjoyed his pompous attitude. He was he was better than everyone. Well, and whether it was it whether which depending on which one was done first, the animation or the voice or the voice acting. Most of the time, the voice acting is done first, and then they try to match a little bit. Sometimes they do do the animation first, right. and the voice actors try to match it. One of the things with Raceland is I def with his animation with his character look. I definitely saw Keith or Sullivan. Yeah, I definitely saw him in in the facial in, in the face. facial structures, and right. so I really liked that because then I was able to set up. Okay, that's the voice that should go with that face. Right. Although I, I think you'd said before we started recording, Club, uh, that you had when you heard that Kiefer was in here, you immediately thought, "Hmm, I thought he'd be Tannis." I did. I was waiting for him to be Tannis, you know, 24-ish. I was, like I said, I liked Kiefer Sutherland very much as Raceland. I wanted him to cough more, but I liked him as, I I liked him as Raceland. I liked that because he has that ability uh, to be very snide. Right. And be very, like, hurtful and snotty. And see, I think he would have been great as Tannis. Here, my take on this is, and I have no idea what happened behind the scenes, but my, my thought is, is it would be natural to put in Kiefer as Tannis. And that's who I would, as a director, be putting him in as. But I think they were looking at Dragonlance as a property, Wizards was, and whoever else was in charge of this, going, for whatever reason, the guy out of these novels that everybody that reads them seems to really latch on to is Raceland. So I think you're going to take your big name actor yeah. and you're going to connect him to the to the big character that everybody likes. I think we came out in our podcast. Not all of us around the round table are big Raceland guys, you know. And that's 
I'm with you, Club, in your earlier statement that I really feel Tannis should have been cast as Kiefer. And you get a voice actor who can pull off this whispery voice, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, definitely. I think something you have to remember with that, too, is we are very much way past 2008. <laughs> right. And, you know, we... I, I think I want what I wanted more is I wanted more Vigo Morten, Mortensen as Tannis. Yeah, yeah, you know I wanted Strider as Tannis with, mm -hmm. with with that little with that little bit of a stronger voice. Yes. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. It should be brought up, uh, and, and I've heard people talk about this ad nauseum, and it's never been a huge thing for me. But the book really does a big thing about describing Raceland's eyes as having hourglass pupils. Um, but he doesn't have hourglass pupils. He just he has like have pupils. he has no pupils. It's just like these weird yellow irises. Yeah, that yeah, yeah that hourglass is yellow. Whereas when I was reading this, I pictured them as yellow surrounding a black hourglass pupil. Yeah. Right? you know, and I just don't understand. They're not animating these eyes. I mean, most of this animation just is like a drawn picture stuck to the screen. Why wouldn't you do it the other way? I, I don't understand. It's a weird decision, especially when that's so iconic. Everybody who's a fan of Tannis, or uh, sorry, um, Raceland talks about his eyes. I mean, that's that's a huge deal. Uh, and see, yeah, that, I mean, that I is something you don't get wrong. You don't get yeah. that wrong. You're going to throw in a, a, out a little like Easter egg of the whirlpool when you show a quick pass-by scene to people who have read the other books, but you're not going to get his eyes right? Uh, that, that to me, is kind of perplexing. Well, and it <laughs> seemed to me throughout the entire movie, too, and again, not to harp too much on the animation here, right. but did anybody notice maybe this? his skin changed color throughout uh, the entire movie? He was gold, yeah. and then he Lots was Lots of stuff changes color. I don't know who's the continuity people yeah. on this. Holy cow, co colors are changing. People are changing outfits randomly. Yeah, Raceland is Raceland is gold, and then he's like this weird like baby puke green for a while, <laughs> and then he's gold again. Wow. And man. So, but that being said, as we meet everybody else here, and as everybody comes in here, I love the characterization of Stern. Right. I, Stern I looked like exactly like I had pictured Stern. Beautiful right. moustaches. Yes. Beautiful yes. moustaches. Yeah, I really like the characterization of Stern, mm -hmm. too. I always felt in the book, actually, uh, Sturm, I didn't connect very well with Sturm, and I thought a lot of times he was left to the side and things. I really liked him, his portrayal, and how they brought him kind of more to the fore. And sometimes I think that has to do with the fact that you're watching a movie and there's a frame and you're constantly seeing the characters in front of you. Yes. Whereas when you're reading a book, you might be in somebody's head or whatever and I'm losing where characters are at. Um, so I think this has that going for it. That that they're always maybe he's always on screen. So I'm always remembering Sturm. So he's got that going for it. Which is <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so anyway, we get a lot of kind of barroom stuff and, and, and you've got Karaman kind of drooling and mumbling of about Tika, she's walking away, her butt shaking, and all of this kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, this is and just see, awkward. <laughs> but see, I liked how I liked. How, we had talked in our podcast about the Tiki, the Tika Cameron storyline, Caramon, excuse me, Caramon storyline, yeah. and how we liked that. I liked that it was prevalent. That it right. was it was already there. It was right. attempted. It was attempted. It was I just we right up that. there in your face. <laughs> <laughs> but here's another part where I, again, in the beginning, I feel they're fixing some of the problems that I had with the book. They, again, bring up the staff and how the goblins are investigating it. And I mean, there's this big push about everybody is searching for that staff, you know? 
Um, and and I, re I really kind of liked that, that the stakes, we've established our big bad guy, and really all he's doing is trying to get this staff. And I felt that did not come through very well in the book. And here in the cartoon, it's really kind of drawn home. And I think For that's, me. that's because they, they introduced Vermin Art early. Yeah. And right. They, they really, they just, I mean, they did what they didn't do in the book, you know, maybe because the authors were sort of stuck adhering to the, these modules. Right. But I mean, at this point, it's been 25 years, and we can just fix it. Yeah. Right. I will say, going back with Sturm, didn't he come in with... Gold yeah, he definitely did. Yeah. That was one of those that I was... When they introduced Sturm right away, I was like, oh, are they just going to have... Goldmoon and Riverwind just be part of the party. It costs too no. much to have them walk into the bar. Oh, okay. <laughs> they That's already setting That's down oh. too much well, animation. And, and so we've talked about it. we've talked about mo everybody else in the party here. Caramon and I liked the animation with between Caramon and Raceling. You really got that feeling that they were twins, right? Because they looked like twins, mm -hmm. but you could still see that Caramon was little wispier. And whereas, uh, excuse me, Caramon was a little bigger and tougher, whereas Raceland was the thinner brother. Right, right. And, but I love their facial features. They were twins, and you really that really came to the forefront for me right away that you could see that. Right. And then there's this line jump. This is where this is something very odd to me. Kitty R. They talk about Kitty R. Sending word that she's not coming because of her duties to a new lord. And then if you want. If you're making this movie uh, and going like, hey, Raceland is our guy, we're thinking the, the, the people watching this are going to really be here for Raceland because he's kind of the rock star, boy, way to make him just a total jerk. Like, this this part, Raceland, like, looks over at Tannis um, and says, I wonder if it's business or pleasure. And then he sits back with this weird look until he coughs. And, you and, are, and you're, I'm like, I hope you choke, Raceland, because, like, who... Boy, does it make Raceland instantly a jerk. Something I caught before that was um, when Tannis was first sitting down and he, he asks Caramon, is Tika coming? Caramon's like, oh, my sister, of course my sister's coming. Kitty Or Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Um, is Kitty coming? Oh, of course my sister's coming. Blah, blah, blah. It cuts to Raceland really quickly and like he's covering his mouth and like smiling. Like he already knows. Yeah. I, lo I love that. I mean, but I mean, you can't, yeah. you can't put that in a book right. without being too obvious. Right. And it, it, for me, I've liked that too... Um, from the standpoint of I've never liked Raceland, and I kind of like that he's always kind of this jerk, right? But I'm, then I, looking at it from like a, this business standpoint, where you're hanging everything on Raceland and have Kiefer doing the voice, boy, instantly don't like him, right? You know. But see, for me, I, again, that added to that that little line drop that wasn't from the book actually did add to the to a little bit of characterization for me too, because it was I was it, it was from Raceland that. You know, I was never really comfortable with what was going on with you and my sister. Right. I do kind of like that. Yeah, 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 right. So anyway, weird. Again, they're going to kind of change some things. The high theocrat comes in. He's mad about the old man telling stories. Gets pushed in the fire, kind of like the book. All the way in the fire. Yeah, but Gold Moon does not heal him. What's the deal with that? It, to me, that was a decision that makes no sense unless somebody was going, Tass hasn't done anything for a while. Could be. Make him do something. But then it steals the fact that Goldmoon has any kind of power. You mean anybody can grab this staff and just Except whatever? Raceland. Except for Raceland. Except for Raceland. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, weird I decision. I didn't get it. I didn't understand the decision. That was the beginning of the point of me 
throwing things at my TV before I realized <laughs> it was my TV and I'd have to buy a new one. <laughs> All right, so anyway, it, it usually go, it goes as normal. We're fleeing from sol solace at this point, and already at this point, I'm going, you know, I've liked everything, um, but I'm already seeing a problem. We are at a little over the 20-minute mark of an hour and 30-minute movie. Mm -hmm. We're just leaving the inn. I'm like... What are they going to do to the rest of this story in, in like the hour and five minutes that they have left that's going to do justice to this story? And let me bring up that as they're leaving the inn, that was exactly how I pictured it. Yes. Reading the book. That right. was a that was a that was a picture perfect scene from the book of going down the rope and the hole in the kitchen, because why wouldn't there be a hole in right. the kitchen? With but, the exception of the let's we'll have to go out through the kitchen. Yeah. They didn't uh, do the line yeah. that everybody is the line. The but them actually escaping through the kitchen was right dead on with the book. Right, right. I, I agree with that. So they get to the lake. Uh Raisin uses his magic to kill some Zombies. And, and this is, I, I have a question. I maybe I'm just I have a picture in my mind from Lord of the Rings and Dwarves. Where's Flint's axe? He's fighting with the dagger the entire time. Yeah. I thought I could have swore didn't he? He had he had he an pulls axe. it out with the goblins. I think. Does he? Man, I think he does it. I mean, he's got it on the cover art for the book. I, I, yeah. He, I don't know. He's I got it later on. He's got it later on, and he's killing people. I remember with one scene specifically where he's fighting with a dagger. And he throws it, drops it, something, and then he draws out. Oh, and that, that, that would have been when Tasselhoff picked it up. He's like, well, you dropped it on the ground. Yeah, I, okay. I, yeah. I, I do it. know that on IMDb, there's like a whole list of all kinds of inconsistencies like that, where he's got one weapon, then he's got another, and people's hair color is changing. I mean, I'm, I wasn't paying attention to all this. I'm sure we could watch it a few times. And yeah. I'm sure it's throughout problems like this. I, again, I think it speaks to the poor... I'm going to hold this company. I'm not going to hold the writing necessarily at fault. Whoever did this this animation, this Toons Studio, mm -hmm. there's a reason I know I, we have not seen them since this this movie. This is True. this is awful. This is awful, and I really feel bad for Weiss and Hickman that they had to see this done to their vision. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I mean, hey, if I had written a book and a, an animation studio made something out of it, I'd just be happy, I guess, that it was made. But yeah, man. This is not how I'd want to see old Yeller put down. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about the boat here. Yeah, let's talk about let's this talk, boat. Let's talk about this boat that magically moves on its own without a sail or anything else or anybody rowing. Right, well, and then there's a sea. Is it Caramon or, 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 or Gold or uh, Riverwind? Somebody, like, all of a sudden, like, stands up it's, and he's, like, holding the... the or I don't even know what he's doing. It's Caramon, and I think that's supposed to be a send back to what happened five, what happened ten years ago, and Caramon don't Flint or whatever. Oh, okay. Flint gets all mad about that. But yeah, it's nobody's rowing the boat. <laughs> there's, I, I'm, I'm wondering if there's like an inboard motor under the water that you can't see. Are we going by magic? What's going on here? Right. And okay, big problem with the book that that I had is that it's in this part of the book that Raceland's just kind of hanging out in the front of the boat and decides to start talking astronomy to everybody and that stuff is missing something that i thought should have been spoken of way back um they they take what i thought was a problem and make it even 10 times worse where he's just laying there and his staff like goes Ding! like you have a message and he looks up into the sky and then he's like mm, uh, tennis the constellations are gone what you've, even worse that that happened you've got stellar mail <laughs> Maybe that was them trying to fix it. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I went the other way. I'm like, oh, well, no, he just he hadn't noticed yet. 
Yeah. Instead of like hanging out, letting them eat, and just you know whatever, like oh hey by the way, there's stars missing. Right. Like, you know I actually go back to us talking about Raysom being kind of a, kind of a jerk, knowing things, you know, kind of snidely whiplash it. Maybe that would have been a better take is that he's purposely withholding this information until really awkward times to let it go. And that's how I took it in the book. Okay. And that's that's how I took it in the book was I'm not gonna I, I'm not gonna give you the information until I feel you should have the information. Right. And right. I'm going to make this decision. So yeah like I I'll, hold all the power. Yeah, yeah so yeah. like all of a sudden when the little number comes up on his eye staff and tells him that he has a message. <laughs> Okay, so we get to the cave. One thing that I'm appreciating is they're cutting out all of the Gold Lover Moonwind uh, exposition out. Uh, but uh, can we talk about the animation on Riverwind and Gold Moon? Let, let's Gold Moon. Gold Moon here for a second. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. Uh, that might have been better. That's twice now. Yeah. I was yeah. so confused, and I kept looking at this, and it, it's, you're from the same tribe. How yeah. Is, how is yeah. one of you dark and stoic? Or, you know, how is one of you, you know, dark, darker skin, darker hair, right? And you know, very muscular. And the other one is so, so pale; she looks like she's from northern Minnesota, right? With the Finnish hair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, how how does that translate if you're from the same tribe? Yeah, yeah. They're 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 playing kind of fast and loose with some of those design elements. Even I I noticed I kind of had praised in our book review that I kind of liked the fact that in the art scheme they had kind of given like tennis uh, feathers mm -hmm. and things like that, kind of making it feel like a totally different feeling realm. They do pull back on that. They, these characters look like the art Elmore did, but missing some of those little nuances that I thought made them mm -hmm. kind of more exceptional from, from the time. Um, but they do talk, uh, Goldmoon talks about how they got the staff. Uh, and a lot of this stuff, again, I'm kind of liking some of this exposition. It's done for time. They need to get through a lot of story in a hurry. But again, it's, it seems like it's kind of clearing up a lot of stuff that I had from the books as they move through. And she's talking about how they got this staff. And, and I kind of like it. My only problem with this is I feel this staff should have been a Dragonlance. Like you're calling your series... The dra uh, oh, dragon, right. that, dragon lance. That's what I would have fixed. Yeah, okay. this is what I would have fixed. Again, it's just like, it's driving. It's not. It's not a dragon lance in the book. What are you talking? Yeah, about? no. It's yeah. It, it's just driving home to me the fact that you you have an entire book with no dragon lances in it. Uh, why even have this healing staff? Like, if you're re bringing back the gods, you know, paladin and all of this kind of stuff. Why even just just have the magic staff and maybe like the like the Holy Grail, the Cup of Christ, it has the power to heal. Mm -hmm. And they don't know what they have, and everybody's, this whole book, they're going around going, what is this, it's healing people, blah, 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 you know, and it ends up being the Dragonlance. I feel it's messy that it's it's just a staff that heals. And correct me if I'm wrong, they they tweaked the story of how they got the staff yes. from the book. Wait, that part bothered me, because if we're supposed to believe this whole... Uh, river wind, gold moon idea. So they changed the story of how the lands came to be. One of the things that I was actually really appreciative with uh, Weiss and Hickman's writing, I liked the fact that Riverwind in the book, Riverwind went and got the staff himself to bring back to try to prove to Goldmoon and her father that he was worthy of her. Right, yeah. And that got totally thrown by the wayside here. Mm -hmm. um, so it's we lost that class war. 
And I, I, I miss that that cross-class love. As much as I didn't want to get into the river, moon, love, joy, <laughs> love, love circle here, right. I was more appreciative of them being of different classes, and that's why yeah. their love can't be. Now it's just like he goes up to kiss her, she pushes him away and says, not here, and she comes off a little snotty because of that. Right. So we've gotten through our first half hour of the movie. Overall thoughts on the first half hour, because I will tell you at this point... Bar the travesty that is the animation, I'm on board with this. I'm like, I'm liking this cartoon. Again, I have lowered expectations, right? But I'm liking this cartoon. I'm liking the fixes that they're... Not all of them. We've talked about the things that I think are horrible. But overall, I'm sitting there going, you know, I've heard a lot of bad stuff about this cartoon. I'm okay with it so far. I, I, I'm flo- it's floating for me. It's making I, it. The ship has not sunk here. And I'll I tell you the reason for that. It's 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 the animation. Once I get past that, I've enjoyed this cartoon so far. Right. There's been a few moments where I've kind of looked and went, "Really, you did that?" But otherwise, it's I'm enjoying myself. Right. And I'll tell you part of the reason why you guys are okay with that because I'm in the same boat too. Right. Like I said, if we just did the animation, I would have been fine with all of. There hasn't been really any CG we up until this we point. We haven't gotten up into the Draconians at this yes. point. And the Draconians kill everything for me. And I'm going to be the outlier here. I Had I not been watching this for this podcast, I, I would have shut it off in the last home. I mean, even if the animation was better, I'm, I don't, the, you know, things are missing. It's just, I don't, it, it's just, it just oozes straight to DVD feature to me. Oh, yeah. And it's, it, it would not be something I would have kept on. Yeah, this thing definitely reeks of the straight to DVD feature. I don't know if they had any aspirations of making it to the theaters, but boy, early on I think they knew it was straight to the DVD. And I don't think they're going to be doing a Blu-ray release. <laughs> <laughs> I looked on Amazon. As of right now, there is no plans for Blu-ray. Dang it. Yeah, I, uh, here I, wanted, I to wanted to see, to see this in high depth. Maybe they could do a director's cut. And maybe know. they could clean up some of this. Could, yeah, could, could we do the director's cut where we go and overlay the really bad CGI with decent CGI? Hey, George Lucas is retired right now. He could come <laughs> back and do some stuff. No, because then all of a sudden some characters are going to be inserted or changed or you'll have a, you know, you'll have the last you'll, you'll have one of the centaurs walk by the front of the camera so you can't see anything. <laughs> that elephant senate scene will go on for <laughs> Verminard, again we bring him back in I like this, he, ta- he's, he finds out the staff has not been found I like this, it creates again this constant drumbeat of stakes you know what Verminard knows, you know he is trying to track down this this staff, you know that he knows that his guys have failed in grabbing that staff. Again, I, I'm liking some of the elements that they're throwing in that I'm sure they sat down and said, okay, this story is kind of incoherent in places. We need to create a more a more thoughtful story through line. And, and this is really fixing things for me. I like this. I, I do. I like it as well. It gives us a little bit more of the, okay, you got away from the first party. Why are you still running? Right, and <laughs> which, I, which, yeah, I, had, which yeah, I had in the book. Right, I'm like, why are you still? Is somebody really looking for you? What's going on here? Whereas with those cutscenes to Verminard, I did like them. I will say again, and I'm going to keep saying it. I don't like how Verminard looked. I right. don't like the animation for Verminard because right. I'm like, you're younger than you're younger than Tannis. You're younger than Flint. I wanted him to be. I wanted. Um, oh God, what is it? Cersei's father-in-law from Game of Thrones. Father, 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 father. Oh, uh, uh, Ty- Tywin Lannister. I, I wanted Tywin Lannister. <laughs> That's who I wanted. Was the 
grizzled general who, yes, he's in yeah. the service of this god, but I wanted him to be that old grizzled general that will cut your throat in a second. Right. And I do feel that's kind of a modern thing. Like, post-2000, it seems like we're getting away from old people in roles. There's, like, we're skewing everybody younger. Like, we want to keep everybody young and sexy, but I feel like young doesn't hold the weight or the gravitas or, you know, that kind of idea of, of having the knowledge that is dangerous. Have you been paying attention to 2017 so far? We're <laughs> losing all of them. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. This is true. This is true. Um, and I like the fact that the discs are referenced here, and it says that he's going to warn Onyx, the, the black dragon. I like the fact that the dragon knows they're coming. Like, you know, and that he... Oh, yeah, that's a lot better. Yeah, and that he w warned her that... that that they're coming. All of this is really good to me, what, what they're fixing here. But then we get to the monks on the road. Rendered straight from your favorite gaming console from what, four years uh, earlier? I'm gonna, uh, uh, I, P, maybe PS1? Oh I'll, my give God. Him, I'll give him PS2. They're, you couldn't quite see the polygons. Early PS2. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna, early PS2. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna put out just a crazy reference. My daughter, when she was really young, loved this Barbie movie called The Princess and the Popper. And I don't know what a year it's from. Probably 98. Something like that. Ten years and before this movie Ten out. years before this movie comes out. And in that, they're dancing around singing this song. And I, when I watch it with her, because it's one of those movies that kids would want to watch 500 times. Mm. Right? And, um, the clothing in that would not move. It just looked like it was, you know, just starched to death and it, there was no movement to it. That's how these guys looked. They come in and they're like weird starched potato sacks that have no definition, no movement. I'm like, why are we not cell animating this stuff? Mm -hmm. uh, again, it goes back to you have to keep pulling the trigger as a producer on this. You know, things are getting approved through you. You had to have looked at this and gone, So why did nobody pull the plug on this Maybe stuff? one of the execs had a kid that was running the studio. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> I, but I, they I, really shouldn't, though. Oh, tunes. Uh, I, I will never see your stuff, and I know why. You guys were not the studio for this, and shame on you, Wizards of the Coast, for going on the cheap on this <laughs> one. I know it was just because they went on the cheap. Um, but these monks on the road, um, boy, Sturm suffers a massive head wound. This is probably back to massive head wound Harry. I don't massive know if anybody, if anybody knows what that is, go look it up. <laughs> massive head wound Harry. Falls down, gets healed. Well, with, yeah, with the magic staff of rewinding. Yeah. The blood just right back into his head. We're fine. <laughs> but I mean, I, and I, I, I made my, my, uh, my opinions about the uh, magic staff of whatever whatever we need right now. Right. Um, back in the book review podcast. Um, but they get up, and all of a sudden we're in Darkenwood. Right, right. And back to that step real quickly, I do kind of like how, again, it, even though in the book it's a real problem because it is the staff of rewinding, in the movie... Uh, they never, Raceland never tries to get healed by it. They're cutting out all of that weird oh, that was, stuff. Oh, that was in the cave really quick. He's like, no, don't touch me with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like, again, they're looking at that going, yeah, that was really bad. And they're kind of either not referencing it or they're cutting it out. Um, and it's fixing things a little bit. I will bit. say, how they got in the Darkened Wood, I liked it better in the animation than I did in the book. Yeah. Because it was, they were being yeah. chased into the Darkened Wood yeah. versus... Right. I have a head wound, I'm going, I'm hallucinating, <laughs> I'm going to go. I enjoyed how they got into Darkenwood. Yeah, it was a quick transition there, but... 
a I'm lot not of following a random deer. It's been simplified and streamlined, but I think it needed to be because I feel Absolutely. the book was was loaded with way too many contrivances. The streamlining simplification for a cartoon is working for me. It's making things seem a lot better until we get to Darkenwood um, <laughs> and the Ghost Warriors come out. I'm telling, ah, oh, yep. I hate. This is not a knock on the animation. I hate the look of these warriors. Yeah. I'm down with... The the drawing in the book was awesome with this skeleton king mm -hmm. kind of thing standing there. These these got eyeballs in them with pupils. And I this hated is, this, this is, look. This is, I, I think we, we made it very clear that Weiss and Hickman doing spooky and creepy and undead was our favorite thing. And they just... That, that's, that got cut a lot. You know, oh. A lot of the forest scene got cut. Um, I, I want to scream it. Darken Wood is not dark. Again, no, that, I, I yeah. think I think this Toons Studio. There is nothing in this cartoon that is nighttime. I don't think they could do nighttime. They didn't know, except when they're in space and it's just stars with dragons flying around. There's no night here. I don't know if they didn't know how to shade or or what. <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. Shading costs money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We got Keeper Sutherland. That's where all our money went. I don't know. So, so we get to Darkenwood and which is not dark. Raystalin just hands himself over to the ghost, which I didn't like. I like nope. the kind of like nobody knew what was going on. All of a sudden, Bing. I like the possession aspect. He's, possess of it. he's possessed. Yeah. that's and, what made it scary. And then he opened a portal, which is somehow weirder than the centaur is telling them to grab their rubs. <laughs> but to be fair, I liked the portal. Because I didn't have to deal with the centaur ride. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was okay. I wanted, I wanted to see the centaurs just for, I mean, I'm already laughing Face at it, Luke, this. you're in love with those centaurs. You yeah, like that yeah, centaur. I want to grab me some centaur Grip <laughs> <laughs> me with thine legs. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just thinking, I'm already laughing. Give, right. me, give me something, like, just give a little nod at, like, hey, that line was weird. But the, but mm -hmm. the, the weird, was it Bioshock? Yeah. The weird Bioshock portal. Or uh, what's the one that portals? Portal that does the portals. Yes, the portal. The portal. The weird. The weird portal just was. What? Yeah. Are we are we jumping through a stargate here? What's going on? All of a sudden we're just. Um, Clob Ghost Portal. Right. I know. Right. Come on, man. And then Don't we. Don't you know that spell? Ghost Ghost Portal. Yes. We get <laughs> we get through the portal and we get to the last unicorn and they they've changed her up so she doesn't look like. The Pegasus from the last year, according, because she's all wrapped up in green vines. She is the forest master. The forest master. So that's as the forest master, you're gonna have little hipster glasses that are made out of vines and vines right. going wrapping it all around you. I, I mean, I do have to say, as may, a maybe that is in some ways a, a fix because for me, and maybe this is going back to the book, names evoke sometimes things in your head. And and name names sometimes feel hard or soft. You know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And something like Forest Master, like to me, that sounds like a burly centaur guy or something. Not like this white unicorn. Like you don't call this like feminine white unicorn. But I, Forest I, I, Master. That is constantly in slow motion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I I like sort of the, you know, you are set up to. Oh, Forest Master, that's going to be a big buff centaur. Yeah. No, it's a very soft spoken that is, slow motion that is cool. unicorn with vines. Right, the unicorn with vines. If they would have had the animation uh, budget, I would have liked to have seen kind of what they do in some other animated cartoons mm -hmm. of this type, where as she stepped, you know, flowers would have sprung up. Like she'd have bringing, bringing the light with her. Because to me, that would have fixed up visually this whole we're in darkened wood. 
and now all of a sudden we've got unicorns and it's well, light and beautiful. They went through a portal. Yeah. That fixed it. It would have been nice if she would have been, if everything would have been dark and she mm. brings the light with her. She's protecting this, but she, as she walks through this dark forest, there's maybe shafts of light that follow her and she brings life and beautiful. And then as she moves on, decay comes back or something like that. Um, doesn't work out still uh, for me too much. But they get on the backs of Pegasi. And they fix the Pegasus thing for me. The Pegasus drop them off, and the pe what I like about this, the Pegasus don't talk at all, and then they leave them, and I think it's Tannis or somebody just says they're tired and can't go on. They're scared. They're scared and yeah. can't go on. I'm like, that's and a that's a fix. The right forest there. master said, my, my Pegasus will take you as far as they dare. Right. All of that was fixed. Whoever was kind of nuancing this script, maybe it was Weiss, maybe it was Hickman, maybe it was other people, I feel that they knew some of the problems mm -hmm. that were in the the original book and are fixing some of these things. They, they either knew some of the problems and somebody wasn't listening, mm -hmm. or I don't, I don't know, because it's like some weird random things are fixed. And it's, other things are made so yeah. much worse. <laughs> A lot of it is revolving around <laughs> animation for me, but yeah. Okay, so then we get to Gold Moon's Village Burn. This is odd to me because it's just jammed in here real quick. Mm -hmm. and this it is, seems fresh. Yeah. Like skulls are still dissolving into acid. Right. And they're just like this sort of like graffiti tag, like <laughs> Verminard was here, lols. Or <laughs> 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 yeah, give me right. that staff, lols. Like right. what? Verminard? I don't know, man. <laughs> But I like, again, that Verminard is this constant threat. You can see kind of the, you know, the leftover remnants of some damage that he's done. I, again, it's, it's feeling better in terms of the threat from Verminard. Instead of where before it just seemed like stuff was happening all over the continent and they were randomly running into it as they were kind of haphazardly moving through the continent. And their village did get destroyed right. in the book. But it wasn't it, it wasn't made in the book to be like we like we had talked about that platoon moment that moment of walking through the bombed out village, right. which in the book I think works so much better because they didn't know these people but they you felt the emotions from the characters for these people they don't know right, and then finally we get to Zach Saroth. Um all of a sudden all we of a all yeah. of a sudden we just we're walking through a pass and Zach Saroth is there. Oh, look, gully dwarves and draconians. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> boo boo's just boom, just right there. They cut out all the gully dwarf stuff. Which I love. Gully I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I didn't okay want to be it. with the fudge master or whatever his name was. <laughs> the gully dwarves, I, it's just the one thing like, is it flint? Like, oh, I sure hate gully dwarves. And then they do something disgusting. Like, they fall over. Oh, they're funny. And then, like, one eats poop really quick. It's so fast. <laughs> he just, like, I, he, must, oh, he just eats something really quick. And it was brown. I'm like, did that do it? Do the same boop. And then and then boo here. But that's what that at this well, that's funny that now is I didn't see it, but that's irritating me. Like some <laughs> some animator had the time to to animate him eating poop. Ow. <laughs> but probably the same guy that was tasked with Tika. He's just throwing in movement where no movement needs I will to say, be. They took out one of my favorite scenes with Tass and Flint and the dragon. Oh, Am I dragon? Yeah. Oh, yes. They, the the Wicker Dragon. That yeah, that is. I would have yeah. loved to see it if they could animate right. it, but let's be honest. They the, one of the only background things I could find did say, I think it was Hickman, really argued with the studio that this needed to be only through book one. And that was it. You know, the first half, this cartoon, and not to do the full thing. Oh. Again, it goes back to my studio heads and everything like that. 
that book was written as two separate, you know, mm-hmm. individual books. Why wouldn't you? You could make more money on this. You could really. And this is and this is after the time where we have you know eight Harry Potter movies for seven books. We yeah. have eight Twilight movies for three books. Yeah. You know, by all means, break it up. Young adult oh, fantasy no, are, fiction um, was hitting full tilt. Why was there not money put behind this? I guess, yeah, yeah. Harry Potter was uh, a few books in. And, but yeah, I mean, and they were, you know, one movie per book. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Fa- I fantasy don't. was big. Fantasy was cool. You know, and you have this huge kind of beloved by a, a huge segment of the population book. Why was this not given more money? I, I have no idea. Just people were trying to cram something through fast on the cheap, and I think they got halfway through it, realized that tunes couldn't pull up their end of the yeah. bargain. There was no money to change gears, and I think they just shoved this turd out. Yep. But that's that's just... So we, we get to Zach Saroth. We're going to skip a bunch of chapters. Uh, Ray Stalin casts friends on Boopoo. Yeah, that's new. Yeah. I mean, well... Yeah, Wasn't it? I, I don't always, remember. He did from, always did, cast a spell. Yeah. Did, yeah, yeah so he did cast a friend yeah, spell on her. He yeah, just, okay. just said what it was. And then they're, they're, you know, they're breaking into something. They're picking a lock. And oh wait, that's the vault. That's the vault. They are in. What? What just happened? They're just in Onyx's uh, lair. It works out be- in some ways just because they're boom. They're right there. We know Onyx has been waiting for them. Has been alerted to their arrival. Whatever. They cut out all the stuff. But Onyx is lay tired and must take a nap. Okay, that's a big problem for me is I'm okay when Onyx is a chick because, like I said, I think she's pretty cute. I hate this voice for this dragon. It does doesn't, not work. Doesn't match. It does not match this dragon. I, they should have put some sort of filter on it or something. Or, or some sort of reverb. Something. <laughs> yeah, reverb. I think we have more when reverb it, in this studio than that voice. When, it, when in doubt, put on. reverb on. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, and her CGI, I know we're not going to talk about it, but oh. this is really where we're blasted in the face. Besides that draconian fight. I mean, this is, all the dragons are going to be CGI. Oh, man, does it look awful. And it looks awful, and we get to this great, what we talked about in the book, you know, this great scene of Onyx painting Raceland down. I do love that from the book. And yeah. I love that from the book, and, you know, her claws going across Yeah, I could feel the pressure like, on my chest when I'm reading that. As she's playing with him. And then we just have perfectly still animated, like the perfectly one frame animated of Raceland laying on the ground with this CGI knuckle on it. <laughs> Barely moving. Sort of. It's, like, sort of. Sort of. it's like hovering. <laughs> it's hovering kind of there. I don't know. It looks horrible. But we've got this uh, staff, right? I mean, this this part is just... It, made, it didn't make a lot of sense in the book because I didn't feel like it was... Uh, described in a way that really made you know gave you the visuals necessary to to interpret the scene what was happening, but uh, Goldmoon just runs up with her staff, tries to do a fake out that doesn't really look like anything, and then just just points yeah. her staff and it starts lightning her. Yeah, what? No, she breaks it on his knee. knee. Yeah, and then lightning shoots out of the staff. Right, right, right. But like she gets right up next to him and her. Sorry, right up next to Onyx bends down. And then all of a sudden gets up, like, why wouldn't Onyx just kill her? It's the worst fake-out ever. I mean, and, yeah. Or Raistolin. It's horrible. But I was, perfect, I was perfectly okay with the fact here that they killed the whole, all of a sudden, Goldmoon was telepathic thing. Right. That yeah, was I, I, yeah, I like yeah, I, I was okay, I, I yep. was okay with that. Um, I was okay with the Riverwind running to her aid. I thought that the animation on that actually was okay done where the yeah. other guys have to grab him as he's going across. I thought right. so too. Um, I was but yes, her, not her force. Wind. Yes. Yeah. All of those things yes. where it was, they finally had somebody die. 
up here, and it actually was a little bit more effective than in the books. And, and, and we did Ooh, no way. And see, I really? missed. No I I let I missed having Riverwind Acid Skull. Yeah, I I that figured that would really I, I I figured that that scene was so well written by Hickman, or that portion yeah. of that scene yeah. was so well written by Hickman when they gave you that description of what of what happened to right. Riverwind's body right. that I wanted to see something. Right. And Especially Lord, after we had foreshadowed it earlier when we were in the village like Luke talked about where we had the skull that dissolved into the acid. Oh, oh yeah. That had me pumped up because I was waiting to I was waiting to see Riverwind hit by hit by the acid. Right. We started out this movie with people's heads on pikes. I'm like, well this movie's not gonna shy away from melting him with acid or anything. I'm just gonna go back to it it had to have been a cost decision like it's gonna be way too expensive to melt this guy. <laughs> we're not we're not gonna we waste our whole budget on uh, animating the Queen of Darkness and all those <laughs> other guys in the beginning. Yeah, now we're gonna have to animate and copy and paste for the rest of this. Yeah, I, I just feel like some of these things are cut out for yeah, no the, good uh, reason. Um, the gold moon, gold moon dying and then coming back. It's the the pace of this movie is like very noticeably pick, picking up to me, and the, you don't yeah. have enough time to like, even though I know. Because I read the book, right? It was like she's dead, and then they, then they're upstairs, and all of a sudden, Tannis angry, and then oh, it's Gold Moon. Tannis okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Well, the, and, and why is it Tannis? Why isn't it Riverwind? I, I, boy, I don't know. I, I feel sometimes maybe animators and everything else got mixed up with who characters should be. Sent the final copies back here, and then the the people in the studio were going, "Oh God." They they animated this whole thing with Tannis. <laughs> they didn't have time to change it. it they didn't have time to change it. Right. There was deadlines. Wizard of the Coast was breathing down their neck. I don't know. It was awful. They get the discs though in a nice canvas Indiana Jones backpack. Yeah, in, a, in a weird way where Gold Moon dies, Raistlin all of a sudden has like all the strength of a normal person, runs over the pile. Oh, the disc of Misha Call and runs away. Like, <laughs> the I first like, thing he grabs. I like that we got actual the pronunciation of those now. Um, can I just say that? I, I did anybody else see them on the carrier that they were on? Because it's like <laughs> they were seed, they were gray stone CD looking things. Yes, went on like the carrier with the rod through the, the little, middle. Oh, yeah, like, like when you buy CDRs. Yes, <laughs> you need your CD okay, case. They're so literally scratched. Literally, yeah. the discs of Mashikal. Can anybody read these? No, we need a we need a CD player. Does anybody got a Magnavox? My, my computer doesn't have the CD rod yet. <laughs> Okay, kids. CDs were what we used for music and for other data before we had MP3s and before we had the digital transfers that we have now. I'm sorry, MP3s were what we used before we had downloaded everything. So, so Tannis is angry at the gods. There's going to be a through line here that they're really going to be hitting home here with Tannis uh, and his loss of faith and being angry at the gods. That I th that works for me. I feel it gives Tannis. Was uh, it in the book? It it was, but I I'm feel it got it. just muddied up. And I yeah. will I will tell you, there's probably people who are really into Tannis's motivations out there that are going like. Bob, why don't you ever get what was going on in some of this book? There is so much exposition in places that, you know, I'm just tuning out in places. Yeah. But this cartoon is really driving it home. Maybe it's illuminating for me. This real kind of problem that Tannis is having and being angry at the gods and why have you forsaken us? And I really like that. I think that that is the feeling that you would have in Tannis's position. I like it. I liked the writing. Yeah, I liked the animation even when he walks up to the statue and is just, oh, 
unfortunately, the dude, Lex Luthor voice acting him, is just, why have you forsaken us? I don't understand. Yeah. You don't have any faith from me anymore. Right. Like, did, did just, dude, you, did, there needed to be more passion in the voice. Most, right. Just a little. Well, and it's, this is where I think some of the, again, the religious undertones from this writing starts coming through because uh, Goldmoon says, you know, comes up to him in his hour of, of, you know, sweating drops of blood, and it, Goldman says, faith is the answer, right? And then he, she says, only through faith in Mishikal, or Mishikal, have I been reborn. So there's this idea of being reborn. So I, I'm feeling those underpinnings of Mormonism that were always That were always, always in the there. book. And yeah. then she takes the discs of Mishikal yep. in their little Indiana Jones case and somehow magically is able to put the backpack on underneath her cloak without <laughs> taking her cloak off. <laughs> yep. I remember watching that and, and you were over at the time and I just looked at you and went, what? Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> Just some lazy animation. Yeah. Uh, I, but I do like this motivation that they have. These discs, which I had such a problem with, are slightly better here. But on to Solace. Uh, well, I mean, and you only know it's Solace if you've read the book. Because right. we don't go back to the end of the last home. We just see this gray landscape and these cells on wheels. There is yeah. the voiceover. There is a voiceover mention when, okay, and then we should go back to Solace. There is the voiceover mention, because I did catch that watching right. the movie. And okay. actually, that okay. was a fix for me. Again, unlike just like, we're, we're directionless, we're just going home, at least they have a drop line from Goldmoon that says, well, the answers we need are in solace. The person who can read the oh, discs that's right. yeah, it's like she's are in drop. solace. Yeah. I'm like, yes, thank you. We, we have direction now. Our people are we're not just bumbling around the continent trying to find out what they're supposed to be doing. But, yeah, they're just carts. Everyone's being put into them. Um... I do like this whole, again, it's from the book, but Raisin casts a spell so that nobody can touch their stuff. But, again, it, it's in the book. I, I, just, I missed that. Uh, yeah, I love the fact that he says this, otherwise you'll be eaten by the great worm Caterpillius. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that part. Like, I Caterpillius. I mean, and, and when I heard that, I, again, took it as Raisin's joking here. Like, mm -hmm. there's no Caterpillius. I don't even think he casts a spell. He just, you know. Yeah. From the movie, that's what I did. And, and and that was something that was from the book. Caterpillius wasn't from the book, but yeah, from, right. from the book was that he put that spell on their stuff. And I think it's Tasselhoff in both the movie and the book makes the comment about, I've never heard of that spell before. And Raceland just kind of smirks back at him. Right. I loved that. And it, yeah. they, I think they did really well with the animation right. here where you do get the feeling that it's like, okay, Raceland's messing with the stupid goblins. Right, yeah, I, I, I like that too. Can. Yep, I, I did like that. So we're in the pr prison cart. Uh, they totally blow the whole Fizbin thing. Uh, I love the meet. We said in our yeah. podcast uh, when we reviewed the book, we love the meeting of Fizbin. Yeah, and, screw and, it up. And they're just they're in this weird, um, ever expanding cart. I, yeah. I, you know, I was gonna, I was gonna go with, <laughs> I was gonna go with Time Lord cart. It's bigger on the inside. And there's just room for all these <laughs> characters to be moving around. And I'm I'm worried like oh, well we're not going back to the end of the last home. Where's Tika? Oh, there she is in the background. But like, she just shows up. And you're hey, like, Tika, okay, you? I guess we're supposed to know we're in Solace, so she'd just be in this cart. Oh man, I I don't I don't like it. Um, we do hear this whole her the strength of Gold Moon determines her healing power. She can heal bloody stump arm, um, you know, but she can only lessen the pain of the child, and then the child mm -hmm. dies. And I. I 
I, I do kind of like this. Again, I'm still throwing and back that whole, if you would have but the faith of a mustard seed, you could heal everybody. But in like, the, there is definitely this still religious But stuff in the book, on. and again, correct me if I'm wrong, in the book, she did not heal Bloody Stump Arm. Bloody stump arm is there because he has like the he has the medieval robotic arm. Yeah, because he, he's the he's the uh, he's the blacksmith who built himself another arm in the book, and I I, I remember that because right. I was so upset that he had such a short part in the book. So I'm like, this right. would be awesome. We yeah. have this blacksmith with no arm who built himself this mechanical uh, yeah, medieval yeah. arm. Right. It, it is. Yeah. Th I don't believe that's in there, and it's kind of jarring when he comes. This is the only scene where my daughter walked into the room. I was like, Dad, Dad, what are you watching? <laughs> Oh, uh, nothing. <laughs> Just a really weird cartoon that Daddy's reviewing for his podcast. Is <laughs> this guy's laying in the bottom of the cart with his bloody stump? But which whatever. was a very poorly animated bloody stump. Uh, it was a, that was know, the cleanest cut bloody stump I've ever seen. Oh, and then, it he like turns. Meat, right? It was. There was no it's, bone. Yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, below meat. the shoulder, there should at least have been like a little white in the. Yeah. He turns weird, and his shoulder does this weird thing that does, it looks like for a while it's coming out of his chest. It's awful. Um, but she heals it. Um, and then we have that whole, here's what really bugs me here. We even did this scene as the opening to, to episode two. Because Man, we loved how, they, we loved how Weiss and Hickman wrote this scene. That's why we picked yeah, that, we, this scene to do. We only do scenes show. we like people. And the, the best part of it, uh, was the fireball at the end. It was a great lead in. What does he say? What, Fisbin uh, just looks at the says, lock. He says knock, which is. <laughs> Accurate to playing Dungeons and Dragons. Right. But what I wrote down here is Fizbin LARPing because all I'm getting is knock, fireball, fireball. He's just announcing <laughs> what he's doing. <laughs> there's no words that he has to say. There's no, like, he, there's even a point where uh, he's talking to Taz. Uh, this is later on, I think, and he can't remember the spell and can't remember it. It's only one word. All he has to do is say fireball. It's like, I don't know what it was. Was it like French fry? <laughs> oh, fireball. Like, this is the, oh, it's dumb. Uh, Why wouldn't you just have him doing words? I, and that was such know. a cool scene of him blowing the back end out of that cart to allow them to escape and almost killing everybody in the process. Again, I'm going to go back to the reason they didn't do it as it'd be too expensive to him. <laughs> <laughs> it just had to have been too expensive. Whereas it was really easy once they get out of the cart after he magically unlocks the cart for him to go, oh, oh yeah, fireball. <laughs> And bowl over the cut and paste CGI dragon or uh, draconians. Which, and again, <laughs> this goes back to how dumb some of these ideas are. Is that I should be when watching this going, oh cool, Fizbin's finally throwing this awesome fireball. I couldn't care less because everything looks so horrible in the animation. But what I am looking at is the two smallest characters, Tasselhoff oh, and Flint, standing next to each other with <laughs> giant boulders in their hands. Like, what were you going to do with the? First of all, Tass, how did you lift that up? First of all, and what are you going to do with it. And then he, so yeah, so Fizbin throws the fireball, bowls over the bowling, the perfectly set up bowling pins of the C, of the cut and paste CGI draconians. <laughs> and then, for some reason, they spent the money to animate uh, uh, Tasselhoff and Flint just randomly throwing those boulders to the side. Again, yeah, like <laughs> eating poop, we're just animating things that have no. I don't know. All right, well, this I'll is, just put this, this is over where here. the animators were working overtime, and they just had to get, get a little bit of extra money in there. Right. Well, then the elves, uh, you know, who released them, again, Clob, you always talk about how you dislike the elves, and they always act, you know. I giggled when we went into, when we went into Claude and Esty. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, talked, I talked it up. That was one of my favorite parts of the book, was Claude and Esty, and they ruined it. What they, a low-budget... Piece of schlock. Let's yeah. let's draw a tree and just put a window on it. Oh my <laughs> god! 
It was like I was in some old lady's fairy garden where they yeah. buy, go to the garden shop and buy the little tiny door and the little tiny window <laughs> and just nail them onto the side of a tree like, this is my fairy garden. This is what Qualinesti looked like. It had no grandeur. This I almost feel like they were doing this movie um, in the timeline that it happens. Like they animated the first stuff first, spent way too much time yeah. on it, and now they got to the end and they're like, whoa, Qualinesti trees with a couple windows is what you're getting guys uh it, it's just awful all of the elves look like it's like a total race of spocks go back watch these people's <laughs> you're right it was a total race of spocks it's like everywhere i'm looking it's leonard nimoy but, but, but looking at me but it's not spock <laughs> it's it, it, it's not the elves didn't look like spock to me the elves looked like really really bad cosplay yeah, like the ears are too big. They not they're not really set up like, you know, like you have like the two hundred and fifty pound guy who's you know playing the elf and the, uh, you know, one hundred and fifteen pound guy who's playing an elf, but they have the same size ears <laughs> that are way over budget, way over way oversized for their actual head. And here we get again, boy, problem for me from the book. It's not going away. They have been fixing things. Here is not where the fix comes in. The reasoning, again, for these elves leaving and not helping is just as dumb as it always is. This time it's humans won't listen to elves. Yeah, uh, yeah I was going to say, you I, go I didn't talk even take them. that as a reason. I just, yeah. I was like, oh, there wasn't one. I'm like, they have been, since we met them here in the cartoon version, they have been obviously just such douches that now why... Well, it wasn't, I, and, and I, I took it, like, when he said that, I'm like, no, it's the other way around. You won't listen to humans. Yeah. I'm pretty sure humans would listen to you because you guys live forever. Right, right. And, and they're, and they're trapped. <laughs> they're in, just let them out of prison. Yeah, yeah, I don't understand why prisoners, yeah, would not listen to We're here to save you. No, you're an elf. Yeah, yeah. No, Which, we, we when we, when we, when we get to, when we get to the prison is exactly what happens. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't, they don't even listen to Tannis, but anyway... Uh, I like that they play up kind of this Tannis elvish side kind of thing, but it goes nowhere, so it's it kind does. of throwaway. And, and and going in here through the back of Qualinesti, and they miss why one of my favorite scenes in the book. That scene where Loriana and Tannis are talking in the woods, and he throws the ring away, and yeah. we talked about that at Link, and, and Tasselhoff just Tasselhoff happens to be there. Yep. I, that was one of my favorite scenes in the book, and I was so looking forward to see what they were actually going to do that as an animation of, and then it's just not there. That, that's what I was just yeah. going to bring up, that they have very clearly noticed that we don't have enough time. So there's just like this real quick, like, oh, I remember you, Lorana. We were in love. Blah 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 blah. And they it's here's a, your ring back. He gives the ring back real quick. Yeah, yeah. And, and let's just get this. We got a service. I, I feel there's sometimes there's things like we have to do this to service the fans, you know. But boy, you're not doing it and any we, justice. No. And we totally lost the Loriana backstory about her father being the you know major politician and one of the leaders of the elves. And she's there's this whole thing about when about she's gonna be disowned by him basically because she's gonna run away with Tadis. She just shows up, kisses him on the cheek, kisses him on the lips, he pushes her back, people leave and all of a sudden she shows up later. Right, yeah. Unlike, uh, so we totally lost that character arc for her. Right, right, right. Um, so then we do bounce from here to Verminard. Um, again, uh, we're where gonna, they're talking. We're going to go to the, the oh, no, yeah, it cuts. Yeah, because it, it cuts yeah. to him, and we learn of the, he learns and about the, the death of right? Onyx. You know, which I think is is cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Verminard here, where whereas like naked face Verminard's not working. I don't mind his mask. It's straight out of the. 
the art that was done uh, way back when. Um, oh, and, I was fine and, with his mask. Yeah, his mask is okay here. I, I think he looks but pretty the, cool. Did, did you notice the eyes moved? I this ah uh, <laughs> his eyeballs. Yeah, like 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 if he was being serious, they would squint. Uh, <laughs> like, they're like Spider-Man eyes. <laughs> yeah. How are, you How are you moving your helmet? <laughs> right. And then we quickly jump to Slamori, where the elf shows up, and he's got a little tiny gem that he sticks into a little orifice in the wall, and everything opens up. And this is where, poof, Loriana shows up in armor going, I'm going to fight with you! Yeah. And everybody goes, who is this? I'm feeling I'm feeling just like uh, millions of voices, Dragonlance fans crying out, it's Lorana. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. But, but yeah, uh, oh, this, yeah, this part. And, and then Tika's not in her armor. One of the big things we made about, yeah. and the thing is how she's given armor, and they make this big deal about how it's, they had to cut her dress up to her, her underwear, yeah. they don't even do this. For a, a movie who's who's taking every opportunity to sexualize its characters and animating even movement of body parts, they just leave Tika in they, her bar uh, yes. the whole way. because they already and, had the animation. Yeah, yeah maybe, <laughs> maybe that was the plan. They were yeah. good. Yeah, 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 we don't want her in tight armor that can't move. We, yeah. we, so we ran out of colored pencils. Um, <laughs> she's just going to need to be in a white dress. <laughs> oh, this is the <laughs> Slamori, which is the... Again, we're getting into some undead, some creepy. I'm excited. My favorite part. Just kidding. Yeah. It, that's the cell. Oh. That, that's where the cell is, and we're already inside of uh, Pax Darkus. Right. This was the part when I was first had bought this movie. I had slept through. I didn't know what was coming when I watched this. Yeah. So I'm like, ooh, that slug. That slug. What? I was cool with this slug. No slug. And it, <laughs> no, no Slamori is the name. They of the open door. the door, and right there is the prisoner cells. And there's just a bunch of guys standing around, like smiling, hugging kids, and women standing around just in open vests. I don't yeah, understand. Yeah, and, and because, because the all of a sudden Lorana, because of the Slamori all of a sudden being pa the Pax Darkest prison, all I have written down is I, uh, um. Because <laughs> I... <laughs> I, uh, um. I'll take a picture of it. I'll put it on Twitter. This will be funny. I, I, there was so much cut and there was, and I was so... I wanted the creepy stuff that Weiss and Hickman were so good at. Oh, yeah. I wanted some more of it. No. We're just, uh... Let's take like five chapters and just throw them yeah. away. And see, this was the one point too where, you know what? I would have forgiven you for the really bad early Resident Evil CGI yeah. slug if right. you would have had the slug in the story. Right, you gotta have it. You, you just have to have it here. I don't Because this was the high part. The second book for me uh, was really slow in a lot of places. And this was one of the points of light. And boy, not having it. Ugh. But And then the prisoners are all just blaming the party. Uh, for their circumstances. I don't understand this really at all. I, I will have to admit I'm kind of tuning out at this point and not really it, listening to what yeah, people are saying. Uh, we get this whole like are you, we get this whole aspect within the movie of you know, are you trying to be racist? Are you trying to be, you know, right. stranger danger? What are we do yep. what are we doing here? Because they show in the movie they show up at the cells and go, Okay, we're gonna free you and they go, No, we don't like you. Right. What? Right. We don't trust. We don't trust your kind. But then we've got this old man laying on a litter, and he says, "If you really, if you're really a cleric, you can save this man." And it was just like in my Jesus analogy, like right away, like if you are truly the Messiah, save this man. Let him walk again. And he just, she goes over there and just and and heals him. And and I I don't even have enough time to recover from the uh, like. Throwing away at five chapters, they skipping the Salamori. <laughs> she goes over, she heals him, 
and like an NPC in a video game that you've just administered a potion to, bing, gets up and tells you a story. <laughs> not, not, oh, oh, thank you, or, oh, where am I? Oh, hi, I'm Elliston. <laughs> hi, I'm Elliston. It's nice to meet you. I, were you faking it? Like, yeah. <laughs> they knew they had no more time. The yeah. pace of this is going just rapid fire. They are, they are just gutting what is left of this of this story to try to get us to the end as fast as possible. Um, so there's this weird shot of the prisoners that happen. Again, I, I do feel that we are spot on with them running out of money at the end because there are parts now here where they, it is just a pan across what is a lower quality of art. Still shot. Still shot. Yeah, it's yeah, just it a still, still shot. shot. I mean, it's like and then like weird of like just women are all just unclothed and it's very yeah, bizarre. You, get the, you know, there's a weird like half a frame where it's panning across and there's this woman whose shirt is like all ripped and there's just a bunch of cleavage. <laughs> I would never have noticed it if, if Bob, if you hadn't noticed, you're like, wait, 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 you gotta watch this. <laughs> you gotta see this. This is bizarre and it's a lower quality of drawing though. There's no movement whatsoever. I feel they're just running out of money and just throwing things at the screen. Well, then it's on to Pax Tharkis. Finally, the big final confrontation. I didn't mind it in the book. How's this gonna play out in the cartoon? Uh, well, I, I, I bring it back just a little bit here. There's just... All of a sudden, crossdressers. Um, all of a sudden, that's well. I mean, we're we're in Pax Tharkis, kind of. I mean, yeah. the Slamori is Pax Tharkis. I yeah. don't really know. Like, uh, they're like, they finally convince the prisoners, like, okay, you're gonna let us free you, and they're walking. And I feel like if you haven't read the book and you're watching this, you have no idea. All why of a sudden, Flint has breasts. <laughs> yeah, and, no, <laughs> what is going on? But, and and they walk up to this group of draconians, and again, this. I'm going to say my favorite word, this juxtaposition <laughs> of CGI characters and, and 2D animation is so bad. And when they interact, it's awful. When it happens fast in fights, I mean, you can kind of, whatever, go to the fridge and get something and it doesn't matter. But here it's just this long protracted, the one guy, the, the one draconian grabs Goldmoon Gold Moon and licks her on the face oh, like yeah. Jabba the Hutt. Right. <laughs> and it's just the worst. Uh, I just can't. And you could just, you could see, you could see because the CGI tongue, actually, if you were looking at the animation here, because I kept, I, re I rewound this about three times. So I'm like, did I see that correctly? <laughs> because the CGI tongue actually like goes into her face oh, wow. and then comes back yeah. out. Wow. And I'm I mean, like, it's just the worst. should there be a hole there afterwards? <laughs> yeah. Did he lick her cheek off? What's yeah, going on? Like tongue, you know. Yeah. You know, well, then we get to Metaphor, which, uh, you know, had in the book we kind of liked. I mean, you, they dress up as women. They got to get the children, sneak them past the dragon that watches them, Metaphor. Um, I like the fact that they really simplify it, a lot of this and just drive it home that she thinks the children are... Dragons. I feel maybe yeah, I missed, this is well done. I, I, in the book, I felt they left it maybe a little bit more in the air. Like, does she see these? Does she know they're really children, or does she think of them as as dragons? Here, it's very obvious because he's like, "We're gonna take them up to the top of the tower to look at those mountains or something," and she's like, we "A special treat today." Yeah, yeah, or something like that. And she's like, "Oh, but their wings haven't sprouted yet, or something." It's very obvious she thinks they're baby dragons, and, and I kind of like that. Um, kind of thing of metaphor. Uh, but then I wanted her animation to be more damaged. Yeah. It talked about how yeah, we, really, we just sort of miscolored. Yeah, we saw the yeah. cataracts in her eyes. We saw that she wasn't the same vibrant red that Ember was. Um, she's got these weird strands hanging out from behind her head. Right. Um, but with, but I, I wanted the, I, mean, I wanted more I wanted more battle PTSD right, damage. Right. You know, they don't put and well we can get there when we get there, but 
I feel they're just pretty much probably using the same CG model as as Ember. Oh yeah, and it's just they they ran a couple things. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and that's why they they're not, and that's that's too bad because they are not standing out as as different characters mm -hmm. very well. And then we get to the, the well, actually, this is the part when they're going away from Metaphor past all the Draconians. This mm -hmm. is when I wrote down the, like, okay, step one, animate one dragon. Step two, copy and paste, because it is that that point where they're all just bashing their their swords <laughs> and their shield, Saltar, ha, right. in, front of, in front of the very odd human form of Ember. Yeah. Like, you can, you can mm. shapeshift into anything, and man, you're going with that. Yeah, oh, I mean, on, Onyx, Onyx was this good-looking human we've seen right. from uh, the Evil Queen when she transforms into a human that we're in this, you know, fire and fantasy, sword and sandal, you know, very voluptuous, good-looking. But when Ember, the guy who's supposed to be the warrior, he, when he transforms into a human being, all of a sudden he looks like some weird gangly elf with a weird soul patch. <laughs> well, see, I was, I was, I was yeah. more an animal, like a human form yeah. of animal. Like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> we do have a quick that we miss, a, a lecture, Tannis lectured by Fizbin um, about how you must lead your people out of darkness, which is kind of, it gives a whole different spin on this whole we're leading out the the prisoners from Pax uh, Tharkis and makes it into kind of a Moses lead. Leading the Israelites out of out of Egypt uh, again. I'm going to keep just driving home the fact that uh, a lot of these underpinnings uh, by Hickman are just very. For some reason, they seem to be coming out more in the cartoon to me than they even did in the book. Well, and I and and this aspect, I remember this point in the book, and this did happen in the book where Fizbin basically tells um, Tannis to man up. Right. But the way they rewrote it for this, yeah. it's just, hate leads to pain, hate leads to suffering. <laughs> and it's and just, that leads to the dark side. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and so I'm like, no, it just, you, you, you've stolen, you, you've gone, now it becomes trite. Right, right. Now it doesn't become the old man or whoever he is, giving wisdom to right. the younger man to help buck him up for the fight. It's just, I'm going to spout some things. Right, right, right. And then we have, again, like you were talking about, Luke, this whole scene with all of the draconians out in the courtyard. Verminard comes in. Boy, Verminard is just, all of his, what could be awesomeness, just sucked out because this CG looks so bad. They can't hardly get these dragons to look cool in the air. I mean, he just kind of yeah, lamely flies in. Yeah, Verminard at one point in the air looks like he's surfing on the dragon, cuts away, cuts back, he's sitting on the dragon. Oh, it's just I, the And worst. see, what bugged me about the cuts here was Ember flies, Ember flies up to the one perch, sees everybody down there, and then all of a sudden Ember's flying around with Verminard on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I guess I must have just in my head been like, oh, he must have went and got him. Whatever. <laughs> just, no, we, we have Ember without anybody, and then it's like that split-second cut scene... All of a sudden, he's got Verminard on. Verminard yeah. just appears on. Uh, and again, the the he flies over. He starts burning everybody. Most, the majority of the people who are burned are just well endowed women uh, did you, in, in did tiny vests. I like. There is no middle of the road people in this village. Like everybody, I guess, in Solace is are are all swimsuit model women that get just burnt in their vests. Did you notice though the first group that he burned? Draconians. Draconians. Yes. Yes. He yeah. flies over, That's burns a group of Draconians. He's got a terrible aim. All right. Yeah. yeah. I saw that too, and I kind of yeah question, but then moved on. Like, point, I, yeah, this, yeah. I I'll mean, be honest. At this point of the movie, it was they had an animation of that happening 
from a fireball or something. Yeah. So they just said, oh, crap. You, 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 you know what my guess would be is that they were going to have Metaflora come out and there was going to be more fight. And oh, that wow. was something they animated for. Metaflora would do that. And, and they just, were like, well, we have no budget. Yeah. We, we can't. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Paul, though. It's, at this point, you know, we're, what, an hour and 25 minutes in? Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is the least atrocious thing I've seen. <laughs> yeah, we are giving this movie way more. But, uh, <laughs> but I... The one thing, I mean, I don't like how it happens. Um, right. uh, Tass reminds, has to remind Fisman again yeah. to say fireball, to cast fireball. Yeah. And he gets knocked back in the pit, and that's where we kind of get the, like, featherfall. And he, yeah. I felt like I at least got some positive, I at least got a better idea that he died in the movie. But right. Because there is a visual representation. In the book, it's just kind right. of, and yeah. I will say, <laughs> minus the fact that they're in the chain room, all of this stuff that had happened in the book with the chain room and everything, which I loved. I did like that stuff. Yeah. We had said it was a high point of the book. Um, but well, you it, can't have that if the Slamori is the Pax yeah, It felt like Hidden yeah. Fortress. I mean, it was just like Hidden Fortress, the, you know, the old Kurosawa movie. Um, but man, uh, it's all gutted here. But hey, you know, if you're going to fall a pit, he doesn't even say feather fall, he just says feather. Yeah, <laughs> like, he's shortening everything to just one word, and he can't even remember that. It, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of. Well, and I, I was, because he, because Fizzman falls in and he falls down through the feathers, yeah. and then all of a sudden we have this weird like skydiving shot of perfectly still Fizz or perfectly still Tasselhoff <laughs> that is that like floats down into the feathers, and mm -hmm. I'm like, what? Where did all his momentum go? I, He's small. He's tiny. He's <laughs> yeah. only three apples high. Yes, but you can't. It wasn't high enough to base jump off. He's a can kill. <laughs> um, whatever. Okay, so uh, don't you whatever me. <laughs> yeah, no. no, I mean whatever to the movie. Whatever's <laughs> going on here. Tannis, Sturm, Raislin, and Caraman stay behind to fight Verminard. This is again like the the yeah. book, yeah. the big final fight. Um, I thought in the book this was true. I really like how you guys brought me around in the book. The fact that they all go down like punks, mm -hmm. um, and, and I'm like, man, we have all these heroes, and they just get get it taken to them. You turn me around after listening to the podcast. I'm like, yeah, they're going up against a bad guy who's just out of their league. That's actually really cool. Mm -hmm. um, but this, I feel this cartoon does it no justice. He's got his giant mace, Nightbringer, right? But the animation is so awful. It's and just like he's he's lightly just kind of. Pummeling them very like just poking them with it and they're and falling. And he has out. weird ghost eel powers. Yeah, where like, snakes is, are coming out of their eyes. Ah, oh. there is one point where he hits Caramon uh, in the unprotected face with a giant spiked mace. With a giant spiked <laughs> mace, and Caramon like just falls over. Yeah, mm, uh, my eyes. and is not yeah. bleeding or anything. The mace like actually, and uh, they showed the animation of the mace making contact with his. Face. Yeah, but and the, they don't even animate it awesome like it's a giant swing. He's just kind of like barely moving his arm. It's like pop, pop. That's like like we're, we're out of money, and those big swings are expensive. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's it is awful. Just it's the it's the it's the, it's the one inch it's the Bruce Lee one inch punch. <laughs> yeah, that's what he's doing. Um, so Tannis though at the gets up and goes ape on Verminard, and I actually like this part where he just gets really emotional about it, and he just starts hacking away. All uh, Luke Skywalker in Return of the and Jedi. And I've been giving I've been giving Rosenbaum crap about not having enough emotion in his voice. Right. He did actually Finally. have some emotion yeah. in his voice. Finally, when we have that Tannis getting angry, unfortunately, that's not in the book. 
Yeah, I was just gonna <laughs> say that. <laughs> was it Gold Moon the one who takes down Verminard? Uh, yeah, you know, not... because they play up that whole thing when she steps in. She disrupts his abilities. Yeah, and she you does know. step in in the movie. Here, it's you barely see it. Right. Yeah, I was gonna say I did. The other guys get thrown to the side. She steps in, and then the other two guys step up, right. kind of like it was supposed to happen in the book. Right. But you totally, if you're not paying attention or looking for it, you totally miss the fact that Gold Blue, Gold Blue, <laughs> I can't stop calling her Gold Blue. That's right now. <laughs> Gold Moon was the one who gave them the uh, that opportunity. Right. Now, right here, ladies and gentlemen, if you have for some reason listened to this entire podcast um, and still want to main, remain spoiler-free for what's coming next, do not listen past this point. This is your final warning, because now all gets revealed right here. If yeah, you I guess. If you have not... for me. If you have not read books two and three and are planning on re reading books two and three, stop listening now. <laughs> right on. Because this movie... I don't watch this movie because this movie, the last three minutes are going to be complete spoilers for you for the next two books. So that being said, this is the point where I had a lot of issues with the last book, in, or that first book, in, in this last little part here. Paul, you were some sort of prophet. You had said uh, that you always saw this last fight as not being so much about the Verminard Goldmoon stuff, because I, I hated that when she just walked in and out of nowhere disrupted him. Paul was like, no, I saw this as a bigger fight between, between the two gods, yeah. you know, or whatever. You were spot on. I mean, this was the first time me watching it and everything. But, yeah, this is what the cartoon does. I feel uh, that this is the right instinct and should have been played out in the book as well. This whole thing that we are also going to show at the same time. The fight, like, this all becomes about Tannis finding his faith. And saying, no, like, I believe in the gods. And that, like, sparks Fisbin, who is actually now revealed as the god Paladin, right? He pops up, and that her, him and Tachesis are having a fight while these guys are having a fight. Yes, Pal this, Paladine and Tachesis. And Tachesis yeah. are having a fight while while Verminard and, and Tannis are having a fight. That is pretty epic stakes, I feel. And although done horribly in this cartoon in terms of what it looks like and sounds like and feels like as far as a structure i feel like that's really strong well and one of the reasons i think we liked the um party versus verminard fight right that that was an animation versus animation fight mm -hmm. so all of a sudden we get to the big bad gods and we yeah. get to the big and we're back to this animation fighting bad cgi oh yeah when yeah. she turns in it was okay for a little bit and then she turns into the Dragon. Mm -hmm. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Uh, can I say awful again? I, I, I feel like I've said it 5,000 times during this podcast. But again, I, I am so... Uh, it's funny how when reviewing the book, I was kind of like about Weiss and Hickman and, oh, you know, bad choices or writing or whatever. This movie instantly, like, throws me to their side and makes me want to just defend them and just be like... Oh, man, the, whoever the producers were and stuff on this, to let these kind of decisions be made. I hope none of these guys work again. They are just the worst. I will decisions. say, with this god fight, this back and forth between the two gods, in my mind, I was imagining Goldmoon's god because we had not really heard yes. anything about Paladine mm -hmm. until right. all of a sudden 
he's there as Fizbin when right. it's it was one of those you didn't have to spoil that. Yeah. If you didn't want to, you could have used Gold Moons. I Why do feel it's, been? it's a it's a holdover I think from some of the problems I I had with the with the book is that you know yeah you, it should be cleaner it, yeah. a, a lot of this needs to be cleaner now yeah okay if you're gonna do all this stuff with Mashikal well yeah that should be the god anyway that's has something to do with this final climax you know all of a sudden Absolutely. arbitrarily Paladin comes in you know stick to your one god or have more about all of them so we go through this fight we have this weird thing where spells have been cast on the party so they have weird blinded snake eyes um, that never happened in the book and so Paladine finally we don't know if who's defeated at least she falls you know she falls she off like the cliff runs, yeah fly, and then flies away and she's like like yeah yeah and everybody's okay Skeletor is it I'll get you later He-Man yes and, <laughs> and the right people are dead and right. you know, everybody stabs Verminard and they're all yep. just stabbing him and he goes that's, down that's cool that's, that's cool, cool. I mean yeah, I like that I like that and everybody thinks Fizbin's dead, so you know we got a little bit of uh, Tassel's tears. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and Tasselhoff climbs all the way back up the hole, turns around. Oh, Fizbin, are you okay? Like, you didn't like check before you started climbing. I don't know. Okay, <laughs> but we get past the battle, and we're on to the wedding. Yeah, and one of the oddest scenes of this movie. Whoa, Lavrana kissing Elliston. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Nowhere. I mean, we uh, we should be focused on this whole speech and everything by River Gold Moon Lovewind, and we're not. All I can see is old man Elliston's in the foreground, first kissing an elf, and and I'm thinking, what what young elf is he kissing? Because I can't keep these. The, the animation is not separating these out very well. I'm like, well, he's just actually Bob. The elf, even though she's young, would be a lot older. That's <laughs> true. She's all, this old elf, this old smooth-skinned elf. Um, who's he kissing? And who is it? And there, there was there was so much there was a ton of mention in the book about them spending time together, and she was thinking about becoming a or she was thinking about becoming a priestess of uh, Mishikol after all of this in the second book, right? Yeah. And what's somewhat insinuated there, yeah, and, and really insinuated. and really in the book, and not ever, I don't believe, like they don't really have a relationship. No, but but there is, I believe. Might be Raceland um, in the second book, and this isn't too much of a spoiler. Yeah. Teases Tannis about it. Oh, right. Yeah, yes, definitely. About definitely. about hey yeah. hey, your girlfriend's hanging out with uh, hanging out with the uh, yeah. the spiritual guy a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you think that's kind of funny? Yeah. That's kind of that's what I always took it as. And, and then we're we're starting to talk about book two a little bit. That, yes. That's, that's okay. We've given the spoiler yeah, alert. Yeah, that that that's that's what I took it as. Is like Lorana didn't even like Elliston in yes. book two. She was just trying to make Tannis jealous. I I've always taken it that way too. This movie, if you're gonna mm. take this as canon, if there is such a thing as no, Dragonlance, this movie is not canon. I would love to no. load this into a canon. <laughs> 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 but this has blatantly made the the. Two are in some sort of relationship. Oh, they're they are making, just making out. out. They're making out during the wedding, and then we have this shot of them in the background walking hand in hand into the forest. It, into the forest, and for it, a little bit of a boot scene. And it looks so weird because, <laughs> uh, in my mind, even reading Elliston, I mean, it was I didn't see him as old as the cartoon <laughs> makes him. It's really weird looking. You know, not that there's anything wrong with really old. Men and young girls, I guess, or or or, or older ladies with a young guy. Yeah, you know, you know, you know, you know, we don't judge. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's and this. It's so weird though that I don't remember what River Moon, River, River Wind, <laughs> and Tannis were talking about. Yeah, I, exactly. No, something about they're gonna they're gonna Nobody create does. a new the, 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 at the wedding. Makes a speech yeah. about a new tribe. tribe. That's all I remember. Yeah. Yeah. And all this kind Thank of you. stuff. Whatever. 
And then we, we shift from this whole thing. Oh, Raceland ends up saying that this fight is not done. They need to find the dragon. Just in case. Maybe right. this wasn't so terrible, we can make a sequel. Right, and then they, they, they tease Kitiara. Yeah, okay, just, hey, one more spoiler to stab you in the chest. <laughs> as long as you're watching Dragons of Autumn Twilight. Yeah. <laughs> Which, Gosh. I will say... Yes, it's a spoiler soon. Yes, I think it's it, a good it's a good impulse. Yes, that it, is what it, you Yes, do. it doesn't belong. I don't even think it belongs in this movie. Mm -hmm. But I liked when we when all of a sudden we did the quick shot over to Kitiara standing in her armor with her blue dragons yep. around her. Because the blue dragons weren't CGI. Right. If you noticed yeah. that in the end, I didn't know. The yeah. blue dragons yeah. were not CGI. Yep. They were animated dragons standing next to much hotter, much hotter than Loriana, um, Kitiara. Yeah, uh, yeah. Much, much more, much more attractive in my book. With, with she doesn't have the raven hair; it's like the purple raven hair. And oh yeah, I was Kitty, all Kitiara. She has kind of an eighties uh, working woman kind of hair look. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. yeah. See, so, I went with like I went with the whole like bangles, uh, banana rama. I thought she looked like band. I thought she looked like Sigourney Weaver from the first Alien. Uh, <laughs> yes. There you go. But she's. Standing there, to me, actually, I like this. Okay, if you're gonna spoil the spoil the other book, I, I don't care. Again, we're you gotta separate the world of the you know novel from from this. You want to tease your next movie that's never getting made. Um, to me, this is what you do. You show the next level up, like this tw last twist, like oh. Yeah, and the woman that you're in love with and you've been waiting for, she's a baddie, and here she is with her army of dragons. I thought that was a good impulse. That's Did what you do. See, I don't even remember. We they don't name it as Kitiara. They, yeah, okay. I don't think they because no. I, I don't think they named it in the movie as Kitiara. No. We just all after you know reading the books, know it's reading Kitiara. the books and being fans of this stuff, know that it's Kitiara. Yeah, but I, Kitiara was much better drawn, I thought, than uh, Lorana. <laughs> See, and I'm I'm more Team Lorana. I don't like this Kitiara, um, but I've yeah, I've never found Sigourney Weaver attractive. Hey, if you're listening, Sigourney, um, I uh, you can still call me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, he, no he, he, you put that out there. That's dead. She calling me. <laughs> right, right. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was fine. This teasing, but let's just put a cap on it. This, this movie killed all. It, it's kind of sad watching the end of this movie because you know they thought they were coming back for the next one. There is no next one. All right, boys. Well, I think we've kind of beat this movie to death. I think we should all have our final thoughts that we can say to give our opinions, we'll say. Uh, I'll start with, oh boy, that, that, that is the best description I can give. It's just, oh boy, compared to the book, which I liked, I liked this book, the movie, no, why would you do that to us? So I am wholeheartedly saying, do not watch this movie if you enjoyed the book at all. Well, what about you? Paul, I'm in the same boat that you are. I loved these books. I'm, all, I'm through all three. I care about these characters. I care about what happens to them. I, I want, I, I, I really, I want more. I wanted a fourth book. I wanted more to go along with these characters continuing on their adventures. Not as much pre-story, but I cared about them. And I felt like somebody stabbed my friend in a parking lot with a rusty spoon. <laughs> I... <laughs> These are not the characters we love. These are not the characters we got into. It had its moments. There were things that were really actually pretty good about the, about the animated parts of this. There was nothing good about the CGI parts, but there were parts that were good about the animated parts of this that I liked, that stayed true to the overall feel of the novel, and I'm okay with that, and I was in that. However, I know 
don't watch this, don't ever see this, don't even think about this. If you look it up at IMDB, erase your browser history so that nobody knows that you looked at this flaming turd. <laughs> okay, Luke, now that I've said that, um, how are you doing over there in your tech mage world with how this went along? Well, here it is. It's, it wasn't a great movie. I love bad movies, man. It's, it's so much fun to watch something that's bad and have a laugh. But that, that being said, I would only recommend this movie to somebody who I know has read all the books. Like, hey, I know that you are familiar with this world, that you like this world. You want to have a laugh? Why don't you hop over to your favorite internet search engine, type in Dragonlance movie, and just go to town on it. It's, I, there is no excuse for this thing being released in 2008 and looking like this. It's just, it has its little minor fixes that I enjoyed, but I cannot get over the straight DVD look of this thing. Bob. Oh boy, Luke, I am, I'm kind of right there with you. Uh, I know on the, some of the previous podcasts in reviewing the book that I, I, I was really kind of harsh on the book, uh, but at the same time, like Klopp, I have read through a lot of what's to come, you know, through Legends and, and everything else. Um, and I know where this series goes. And boy, I am really in the camp of Weiss and Hickman and feel like, boy, seeing your creation kind of this done to it is, is, really, is really tough and really kind of makes me angry that I think what were just poor business decisions, uh, companies doing things on the cheap, uh, I don't know what role Wizards played in this, but man, I'm sure it was something you had to license it out. Man, producers had to look at. I mean, this stuff does not come created. Somebody had to be the entire way looking at this stuff, going, "Yeah, that's okay. We'll run with that." Boy, that's not okay with me. It. They did make, like you said, Club, a flaming turd of a movie. This is not something that really any layperson should be watching. I'm a completist. So for anybody who's like me, who wouldn't be able to stand knowing that there's a Dragons of Autumn Twilight cartoon out there and needs to watch it to fulfill some sort of sick desire to see everything related to the universe, for you small minority of people like me, you need to watch this with friends and joke with it. Otherwise, avoid at all costs. So that wraps up our review of Dragons of Autumn Twilight, the movie. Um, I, the, it's not a movie. <laughs> Calling it a movie is giving it way too much The credit. Dragons of Autumn Twilight attempted montage. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Visual montage. Just attempted. Kind of like Onyx's uh, poison breath that comes out, I think, in the cartoon in three like or four spouts of fluid. We just three or four spouted of fluid upon it, melting this thing. Um, but hey, uh, tell us what you think. We, uh, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to get listener feedback and, and read or play some of it on, on the show. So uh, you can record yourself uh, as an MP3. Send it into Dungeons and Dweebs podcast at gmail.com. Uh, visit our Facebook page. Leave us some comments. We go through those. We try. We try to answer all of them, uh, right? So um, please, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what you guys think. Um, we want this to be kind of a two-way street. You get. You have to 
hear us talk about our opinions, we want to share some of your opinions and get some fun feedback. And to those of you who've already shared with us, again, thank you so much. We appreciate the support. We appreciate everything, all the love that you guys have sent our way. We're going to try to send more back. Book two is going to be coming up here pretty soon. We're going to be going in and talking about that. There is, I will say for all of us, there's a lot more love in book two than we had in book one when we actually get into the uh, meat and potatoes. Spoilers, of what are you doing? <laughs> uh, yes, uh, search for us on Facebook, Dungeons and Dweebs. We're on Twitter as well, at D and Dweebs. Check us out there. Uh, we love the back and forth. Um, right. But and, and, if, and if you like what you're hearing, hey, do us a solid. Give us a five-star review on iTunes and a written review. That really helps us up, gets us seen a little bit more, so other fans out there know, know where we're at. All right, well, let's set up our tab and get out of here. I know. Hey, hey, can I get one for the road? Thank you for listening to this episode of Dungeons and Dweebs. There's even more adventuring to be had at our website, dungeonsanddweebs.com. We would love to hear from you. You can email us at dungeonsanddweebspodcast at gmail.com. You can also find Dungeons and Dweebs on, on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. You can find all those links and more at dungeonsanddweebs.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, please help spread the word by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. The music for Dungeons & Dweebs is Final Fight by Royalty Free Kings and can be found on their website, royaltyfreekings.com. Dungeons & Dweebs is a Tim Gilbert media production, copyright 2017, all rights reserved, and no part of the show can be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the express written consent of Tim Gilbert Media Inc.